Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. We sent our condolences and support to the students of Parkland. And people everywhere fighting for common sense gun laws. Your bravery and resolve in response to this senseless tragedy inspires us and gives us hope. That someday our lawmakers will stop putting the interest of the NRA ahead of what's best for our children. You've shown young people, you've shown everyone, it is not enough to just like posts and retweet. We all. We all. We all have to get involved. And we all have to register to vote. Too many excuses have been made. Too many lives have been lost. So thank you for taking on this challenge. We stand with you. And we will be right there by your side as Americans take to the streets on March 24th. Making their voices heard at the March for Our Lives. On behalf of families everywhere. Never. 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 Never again. Never again. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 11th of March, year of our Lord, 2018, and that is Modern Family. Because if you didn't want to give up your guns before, a show catered towards the super uber left with a bunch of gay characters and PC bullshit, that's going to be the capper. You take your AR and cart it on down and hand it in to your local collective. Yeah, okay. So, uh... Yeah, we're gonna still have some gun shit today. It's it's nonstop stupid. It's kind of hard to get away from. But before we get into that, I want to kind of cover uh, stats. I mean, we as a collective group here of normal Americans over the last year and a half, almost two years, I've had a lot of listens. And I wanted to take time to say thanks. There's been, if you can believe it, 12K views just to the website. But um, over the month of February, it was 1,600 listens. Best show was 2-4, February 4th show. Top countries, U.S., and then it's followed by Japan and Germany. Top city was Tokyo. So whoever's in Tokyo listening to me, thank you. You rock. Then Ashburn, Virginia, and San Francisco. Top platform was actually SoundCloud Computer. And I'd like to do a shameless plug for a app that I get no money from, but I really like. Podcast Addict. Use Podcast Addict. So much easier. And you can look up all sorts of different ones. Like the other day, I literally looked up like uh, the Goldbergs, and there's actually a podcast with Goldbergs. Don't listen to it. It's not good at all, but it's it's there. Top listeners, Daniel Arnold. Thank you, Daniel, for listening. You've been listening for a long time. Um, Matt in Oregon, for all time, was the top listen. That is my favorite brother. So thank you, Matt. And congratulations on your new AR. Yeah, hear that? Somebody just got triggered. Somebody bought an AR. Uh, my son, Zach, which we used to do the Libertarian Corner, um, he's second top. And Stephen in Florida, you're the third top listener. Uh, these are all all-time stats. Top countries of the U.S., then Germany and Japan. And the top city of all time, through the almost 10,000 listens 
and 260 some odd shows. And I, it's hard for me to articulate this because I never in a million years would have thought this would, 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 would be where it is. San Francisco has over 800 listens to my podcast. Then Ashburn with 780. Um, and I think the most, you know, the most astounding stat of all this, um, is iTunes had almost 700 listens. I didn't think anybody, you know, when I go to iTunes, it says nobody's ever listened. Nobody was. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, these are the stats I can follow, uh, reading other stuff. Uh, the reality is usually if I say I have 10,000, I really have 20 because it doesn't track on SoundCloud. Um, but you know, 10,000 is pretty damn good. If I had 25 lessons, I'd be pretty happy. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, I think it's never going to be in syndication. I'm not going to have my own show, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, I am humbled that you even tune in to listen to my dumbass talk, and I thank you for doing so. So, up front, before we fire for effect, and those new to the show, we have fire for effect, which used to be close the loop, but I wanted to make some more war sounds, and basically it just covered shit we already covered. And then we have a formatted show that's pretty simple. We have a tweet of the day. A hate tweet section, which is my favorite, because I get a scream into a mic when I made that bumper. And then we have hypocrisy, which is media-based stats, which is to refute all the stupid shit the media says, and they're not putting out reality because they're a liberal agenda. We have a subject, occasionally. And then we do news and social media nuggets, which is just my favorite section of the whole damn show, where I just talk about college crazy shit. I start it with some military stuff because I'm retired military. And then I go into weird and crazy stories. We then do something funny on the backside and boom, that's a show. Um, that is our show. So up front, I like to do a few things so they don't get lost in the sauce. And one was an article behind the bullets. It is a picture compilation of the 650 homicides in Chicago last year, 90% involved guns. That won't make your TV. It's never going to make it. So I just want to up front say, hey, hey, Libs, Chicago. That's all I have to say. If you really cared about guns and this wasn't about the midterm, and you wanted to really stop violence, which isn't about ARs, you'd be talking about Chicago. But you don't, because you don't give a fuck about black lives. They really don't matter to you, do they, Democrats? Because you're more about transgender shit now. So I thought that was an interesting juxtaposition between what our media is dishing and what's really happening. Stephen Scalise was asked about gun control. His actual quote, and, and I want to make sure you understand, this is a guy that got shot by a fucking crazed liberal. And his answer, let's talk about what went wrong with the government before talking, talking about taking away people's rights. Yeah, that, that to me is pretty fucking bad. Uh, especially if you've been shot. That's how crazy they've gone. 
interesting things that have come up about Stoneman Douglas. Number one, well, just one. I'm just going to talk about one. There's so much shit that's come out between the last podcast and now. I, I just want to cover the most important thing that two Miramar SWAT team members were suspended for going in and being heroes. Once again, Alex Jones wouldn't have a job if shit like this didn't happen. You wouldn't have conspiracy theories. But you're suspending the two heroes and everybody else stayed outside because they said the shots were outside or they're inside. Oh, we don't know because we're pussies. Yeah. Interesting article that has been floating around, which I think shows hope. A ban on assault weapons is more complicated than it seems. All right. And it starts with gun control advocates are calling for a range of measures they say will help prevent future mass shootings, like the one that took place at Florida High School on February 14th. Chief, chief among them proposal is the ban on the assault rifle. But how such a ban would actually work and which guns would be categorized, categorized as assault weapons remains unclear. A look back at history. And as you go through it, even the most liberal groups show... That Dianne Feinstein has been trying to ban weapons and confiscate them forever. And that the assault weapon ban did nothing to change gun violence. There's not enough weapons being used like that. There's 173 a year. Most of them accidental. But they don't say that to you because they're more down with the, you know, suicides are lumped into the every town stats. And let's be honest, if we didn't have guns and you're going to commit suicide, you'd use a fucking toaster in a bathtub. So it's really a fucking stupid stat. Another big article, because there's a huge push from the left. We'll hit a couple articles that are in here and just talk about them, not read them. But um, the, the left's total lack of understanding any kind of terminology. And ta- uh, what was the task of purpose? It was uh, the Federalist. If you're trying to ban guns, the least you can do is learn the basics. And it was in refuting an article by Adam Weinstein arguing the Second Amendment advocates use jargon to belly gun control supporters. While debating the merits of various gun control proposals, Second Amendment enthusiasts often diminish or outright dismiss their views if they use imprecise firearm technology. I, I know I've been hammering the point, but I wanted to put it up front just just to make you understand. Folks, you think if you wanted to outlaw something as a legislator, you would know something about it. That's kind of like me talking super techniques on phones and radiation or something like that. I wouldn't. I don't know anything about it. Why would I talk about it? But your clips, magazines, stupid, machine gun magazines, full semi-automatic, which means no sense, and banned machine guns. It's like rampant on the left. Because you don't even know the laws you have. Which makes you fall right into the trap. Which is what this is. It's all you're doing is pandering to your base for the midterm. And when you really break it down, this has nothing to do with gun violence. You just want to take away something from the right. You want to punish people. This is no different than an article. Sorry, I got a cold, folks. Um, 
It came out this week that the stupid losers that voted for Trump. That's actually an article. Yeah. To show how crazy it is on the left, Zach Beauchamp, a blue check liberal. Well, what am I saying? He's just a member of the media. They're all liberal. Saying you need to understand gun terminology to have opinion on gun policy is an equivalence of saying you need to understand the biology of heroin overdose to have opinion on the drug war. And, and that is really stupid. I'm just saying that's super stupid. It makes no sense. It, it's not true. You want to ban an entire classification of guns and you don't know anything about it. <laughs> Nothing. And our last upfront little subject is The Rock. I want to give him a shout-out. It's very hard in these times to hear a star of any type be polite to first responders or anything. They're usually bitching about cops and hands-up don't shooting. But he thanked first responders because his daughter had to be rushed to the hospital, and it was... The past Saturday night, something happened to me and my family that I would never want to happen to any of you guys out there, the 45-year-old action star, sharing a touching video. But, of course, emergencies do happen. We were up all night in the emergency room. We had something scary that happened to our little baby girl, Jasmine. She's okay, thank God. I just want to say thank you so much to everybody who was involved, so caring and compassionate and responsive. And I've always given him... A lot of props for being a great guy. He supports soldiers and vets, etc. But that's badass. Because most of these people would bitch. That something wasn't right. And they didn't get special preferential treatment. They got emergency treatment. That everybody gets. Because those first responders are amazing. So, that goes against most of what Hollywood thinks. And now, let's fire for effect. is the next time you have a Democrat on, yes. have you ever asked a Democrat, why did you filibuster Grassley Cruz, which targeted violent criminals and sought to put felons who try to illegally buy firearms in jail? I, I think that's cynical in politics. We ought to be focusing on substance and actually getting the job. I love that soundbite because there's a lot of truth in what the left does and doesn't. Another tract I have not heard anybody say, well, I didn't see you bring people on after Obama released a lot of gun violators under his the whole justice system is racist play, a lot of them went back and did gun crimes right afterwards. Remember, we covered it on the show. A lot of grandstanding is going on. You know, that, that individual was Chris Cuomo, who you didn't get to hear very much, thank God. That's why I love that soundbite. Um, who, who want to test people. There's been a lot of I'll debate you on guns and nobody does it shit. And then there's a lot of stupid. 
So, you know, to start off our stupid oh the day on guns, here's Joy Reed. I call this soundbite joyless. Part of this is that there is a conservative media that is very particular about portraying the way they feel the world is and the way it should be. In this worldview that is being portrayed, Chicago is this hellhole, right, where everyone is shooting. It's like gangland because they've mm-hmm. none of them ever been there. Uh, and then the, the way classrooms should be is that all teachers would be prepared to take out a gun and it's somehow the Wild West, when the actual Wild West didn't allow people to carry guns in the city limits. At some point, does the conservative media run out of viewers because it is appealing to sort of an old kind of crusty, creepy, weird worldview that these young people who are a big, big cohort of the American public population do not share. Wait until there were kids who were gunned down at the school. This is going to keep happening and happening. And really, at this point, we're at a point where the Donald Trump and the Republican Party, they are complicit in what's going on in this country. The next time there is a mass shooting and nothing has been done to prevent it or stop it, the Republican Party and Donald Trump own it and are complicit in it. Absolutely. A creepy worldview. And and did you see her hypocrisy in there? They want to portray the world as it is. Right-wing viewers. You know, here's the reality. There's more people watching Fox than your sorry-ass show every Saturday. You don't even rate. Remember, she doesn't even fall within the top 99 shows. Because that's as far as I went. But Lori Ann, a pro 2A person, sums up my feelings. Don't give people like Joy Ann Reed an inch. They hate you. Never compromise. <clears throat> Another person. Conservatives are dying off. Be right back. Giving the conservative movement CPR for the midterms. When you attack people like that, what do you expect? See, the problem with the left right now is because they can't get their way. They're the petulant school child they've been ever since the election. We can't ban all guns because Americans like guns, and we tell Americans not to like guns, and they don't listen to us. So, fuck it, I'm just going to demean them all, call them terrorists, Nazis, the whole nine yards. It's kind of what they've been doing since the election. Then you have the HuffPo twist. Gun owners in the United States, a majority of whom are men, have better constitutional rights than women. Hmm. Of course, the Second Amendment applies to all Americans, but if there's really any doubt that guns are unabashedly, toxically masculine, recent efforts by the National Rifle Association of Gun Manufacturers to market women weapons to women haven't done much to change this. 39% of men said they own a gun in a, in a recent Pew survey, survey compared with 22% of women. Of course, Second Amendment rights have traditionally been a liberty fully enjoyed mostly by white men, and gun states' stats reflect this. 48% of those guys own a gun! So now guns are sexist and they're racist. Did you catch it? Did you catch it? Because we can't win it. We can't win the argument. Maybe if you didn't make guns atomic bombs, women wouldn't be so scared. Maybe if the media and our culture didn't spend all their time saying how horrible guns are, people wouldn't feel like there's a shame of admitting they have a gun. And maybe if Chicago didn't kill so many people with illegal guns, this whole argument would make sense, but it doesn't. I mean, even when you're pointed out that all the high crime in cities that have the hard, the strictest gun laws, you, you blame fucking other states. Well, they have loose gun laws. Oh, oh, clearly it didn't stop people from bringing guns into Chicago. And then Dana Loesch, of course, is, 
posting this a lot, if you follow her on Twitter, it's unproductive and disingenuous to smear millions of innocent American parents as child murderers or terrorists simply because their choice of protecting their family is different from yours. It's a great tweet. That's what this all comes down to. You want to impose the way you see the world on gun owners. That's what you're doing in the media. That's what you're doing on the left. That's what Democrats are doing. And when you can't just tell them, hey, you need to get rid of your gun, you, you smear them. So what do people do in this thread? No, no. See, we don't blame gun owners. We blame you, NRA lobbyists, spoke spokesholes. I'm not a lobbyist, she says. No, Dana, although you personally may not be a registered lobbyist, the organization you work for, you are the face for, is. Let's not have this debate again tonight. You work for a gun lobbying organization which uses your face to sell an agenda. She then reiterates, it does us no good to smear people. So what did a feminist anti-gun person say? No, Dana Loesch, we can't accept women who put guns before the lives of their children. I would say God bless to you, except that I know he isn't blessing you. That That's a literal blue check Marina Sirtis. In her profile, please try to keep things civil. But they've stepped it up. Tweets this week. Hashtag NRA kills kids. Hashtag NRA is a terrorist organization. Started by a Democratic governor from Connecticut. Hashtag NRA whore. Hashtag NRA blood on their hands. You are a clueless cunt who panders to the illiterate on International Women's Day. You're a whore for the NRA. Those are just a few, my friends. The reality is, somebody finally put in a thread where she was saying, let's just not attack people. The proof that liberals are not pro-women is how they treat conservative women. Been talking about it on this show forever. So on International Women's Day, for a little side note, what do you think CNN did? Because you know they're all liberal, right? Yeah, they carted out the new feminist movement. Going off last podcast, perfect tweet from Planned Parenthood that some men have uteruses, which is totally impossible, but, you know, whatever, the party of science. They brought out Caitlyn Jenner. We need to ensure that women see themselves portrayed in media, fashion, beauty, and beyond. Women are brought up to kind of be a second-class citizen. I know I'm not being PC, but CNN interviewing Caitlyn Jenner on how to improve gender equality on International Women's Day? Come on! In his... The picture they had of him on their tweet, he said, My path to womanhood was very different. Yeah. Yeah, they took your penis and made it a pocket pussy. So, yeah, I, I would say that's totally different. Because you're technically still not a woman. Do you have ovaries? Do you have a uterus? No! I mean, seriously, folks. And then Devos went down to Florida. Here is how the kids spoke. I thought she would at least give us her thoughts and prayers. But she refused to even meet, speak with students. I don't understand the point of her being here. She was 
talking about education, not guns. And she did talk to three kids. But what did the Hill card out Parkland student shred Devos over a visit? She refused to even talk to us. Betsy Devos came to my school, talked to three people, pet a dog. This is in case the press tries to say something else later. Secretary of Education Betsy Devos spoke to me and only a handful of students. She did not properly answer my only question. She did not sit down with any of the students and ask what we wanted. Douglas has 3,000 students. None of them were invited. Kyle Kashev, the conservative, told him to shut the fuck up. I'm not going to read his tweet, but that's what he did. So we got the terrorist angle. We got the kids still being fucking... Just like their idols, petulant school child. So then we go divestment. Shani Nasapur, a blue check, outright outed with money, Wells Fargo, as a goal, the go-to bank. One of her tweets, First, since the date of Saniac Massacre in December 2012, no bank has done more to finance the firearm industry than Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo has helped gun and ammo company raise more than $431 million to finance their operations, 23% more than the next closest bank. But there's more to their relationship with the gun industry. Wells Fargo is the bank where the NRA deposits the cash, but least count, last count stood at $13.2 million. Nothing like the $20 million that the, the PPFA is going to spend on this midterm. We're not talking about that, are we? And, and this goes on. So the defacement angle is way huge. She ends it. I'm not saying this relationship is wrong or improper, proper, but I'm implying it. I have no evidence to suggest that it is. We thought the deep relationship between Wells Fargo, NRA, and the broader gun industry would be newsworthy to our readers. So report it. Feedback? Call me here. But where does this come from? For you liberals, understand your God, Savior, and angel, the only president ever in American history, all because he was black. So that made him awesome to you. So you defended him like the media did. They started this. It was called Operation Choke Point. It was a 2013 initiative. The United States Department of Justice would, would investigate banks in the United States and the business they do with firearm dealers, payday lenders, and other companies believed to be a higher risk for fraud. You can go to Wikipedia and look up Operation Choke Point. It was a concerted effort by the government of the United States to infringe upon the rights of citizens by making it impossible for gun manufacturers, ammo manufacturers, and accessory manufacturers to get money to do their business. It was ended the moment Trump was elected. It is one of the reasons why I didn't vote for Hillary, because she would have taken it to the next level. We would be the only country in the world that wouldn't make guns. So that's why all these blue check liberals are pulling it out. They want to continue. In their eyes, we should never make guns, thus there won't be guns. Even though there's 300 million guns in the United States that your little bans and shit won't even affect, there's no way you'll get your gun confiscation in America. It just won't happen. But that's where it all came from. And now... To some hot takes.
intellectual honesty, to me, all these are hot takes. But I wanted to just totally point out some fiery little tweets and subjects on the gun grab. We'd start with an actor. Not a very good one. Michael Ian Black. I have a solution. Repeal the Second Amendment. Redefine gun ownership as a right, not a privilege. Also, prosecute the NRA as a terrorist organization, which is what they are. Those acts will lead to gun reform and increase not only school safety, but domestic security. When it was pointed out that the NRA hasn't killed anybody, neither did Osama bin Laden. Yeah. Cherry Scudder Thomas, as a liberal gun owner, you will never be a member of the NRA. I applaud you. It's time to take 2A into the century, where firearms aren't single shot and take a minute to load each one. I'm not saying abolish it, but it needs updating and modernization. Well, since we're repealing amendments, which other amendments need to go? You're short, you short-sighted fool. Which goes back to the hypocrisy of all this. We just had a president that did go around the Constitution, did technically rewrite shit the way he saw it, including marriage. But now, I mean, is that what the left is? The party of we are going to rewrite everything because we hate America? How American is that? You infringe on freedom of speech. You cry about freedom of press, but you're just a propaganda piece for the Democrats. And you want to abolish guns. I think they should change their name to the We Hate America Party. Then there was this awesome hot take. Karen Mallard, who's running for Congress in Virginia, certainly isn't the first to take a saw to an AR-15. But the most amazing point about this is the way she did it. She starts in a blog. You may have seen Emma Gonzalez, an amazing speech where she calls out Trump and other politicians for taking NRA money and refuse to take any action on reforming America's lax gun laws. They're only lax because you liberals don't employ them. The speech was amazing. The fact that our young people refuse to be silent victims or demanding change gives me great hope. I believe gun reform can happen, and I stand with these students as they speak truth to power and march for their lives. It's also why my husband and I decided to destroy our AR-15. When she was brought on to task by Twitter, unfortunately, there are always those right-wing trolls to deal with, and they posted mean-spirited talking points about the video. Mainly, they pointed out that she illegally manufactured a short-barreled rifle. The fact of the matter is, this lady who is talking about our gun, our lax gun laws, has now become a meme. Hashtag above the law. A short-barreled rifle is an NRA-controlled item, NFA-controlled item. Creating an SBR without the proper documents and background check is a violation of federal law. 26 USC 584527 CFR 479.11 and a felony. Karen Mallard leading by example. That's actually her motto for running for office. And the ATF is investigating her. Investigating her 
because she violated the lax gun laws she talks about. And so I say unto you, if she is not prosecuted for said violation, it's not the NRA's fault. It's the Democratic-controlled government that doesn't prosecute. See, that's where it comes down to these lax gun laws. Local municipalities, states like California, who will enforce and confiscate guns, but won't enforce federal law on migration. See, see the, see the circular logic you're running into, Democrats? You, you apply laws the way you see fit, and then you want to take guns. When, if we just applied all the laws, including migration, you wouldn't have this problem. And then there's the NAACP president who advocates for freedom to confiscate your guns. His little spiel. Given the disproportion damage, disproportionate, damn it, disproportionate damage gun violence is having on our communities, the NAACP has advocated for sane, sensible laws to help eliminate or at least to decrease the damage and death caused by gun violence. Requiring universal background checks on all gun sales and transfers, banning military-style semi-automatic assault weapons, enacting tough new criminal penalties for straw purchasers and gun traffickers, and allowing the Center for Disease Control to research gun violence as a major public health issue are just a few of the reasonable steps lawmakers could take to stem the tide of gun-related deaths in neighborhoods. Critics might call such policies interventions, naively ambitions in our current political climate. However, comprehensive, sustainable gun control is achievable. We know this because someone has done it. Just look to Australia. Fear at school was something, the Little Rock Nine, and that's when I stopped. Later in the article, they call for confiscation of guns. Do you see how the left's so perfect intersectionality and all, the Little Rock Nine. That's why we we need to get rid of guns because the Little Rock Nine. Okay. Then there's Kaya, and I want to put that in the hot take because you're not going to see this anywhere, but it's a positive hot take. I love guns. I find comfort knowing I can stand up for myself if anyone ever tries to inflict harm on me. I respect guns beyond words. I learned long ago in Iraq while on tour for a military how to use them and never stop learning. I'm a proud gun owner. I am the NRA. Dressed in black with her AR-15. And I thought it was fantastic. She was drug through the mud for posting it. But good honor. I even tweeted, and she said thanks to me. I got a reply tweet, which was rare. Where? And last but not least for our hot takes, National Rifle Association files federal lawsuit against Florida legislation that raises the age to buy guns to 21. I think this is a stupid move by the NRA, but they did it because they're no different than PPFA. Their sole purpose, their sole purpose is not to give an inch on anything. And so that's what they're doing. Other stories that came out this week. Emily Miller, this will have to go to SCOTUS eventually. Appeals court will split it on it since it's an other jurisdiction. Constitution does not have age for Second Amendment. Alyssa Milano tried to get in here because she's anti-anything normal. She's just a super lib. 
The NRA thinks it's fine to able to buy a gun before you can buy a beer. And by the end of that tweet, everybody was saying, okay, let's lower the drinking age then. Canada's got it at 16. Another shocking, shocking story. Virginia woman is claiming she was fired as a social worker for Roanoke City Social Services because she has a concealed permit. Not the gun, the permit, she tweeted on Friday, adding that she was called a safety risk to the building. I was fired today from Roanoke City Social Services serving as a damn good social worker. I was fired for having a concealed carry permit, not the gun, the permit. I was escorted by three police officers because I'm a safety risk to the building. So now companies, cities, are going to persecute people for having guns lawfully. And our last gun story, because I tried to shorten it this week. There was a California Veterans Administration hostage situation. And Shannon Watts, the leader of a huge anti-gun movement, did this tweet. In case you were wondering about where the NRA stands on guns and veterans, they spent years fighting to prevent military commanders from removing guns from persons who may be a danger to themselves or others. Yountville. So, in her circular logic, she blamed a hostage situation on the NRA. In her twisted little mind, she believes that is intellectually honest. And I think that pretty much sums up all the coverage to date. The left, which is the media, will take anything they can to bash the NRA. And I want you to really remember, the reason why they're doing that is because they want to lessen the power of a lobbyist group over politicians to increase the power for lobbyist groups like Planned Parenthood. And that's where the intellectual dishonesty comes from. If you're going to take one right group who has less money, less power, and dog it in the media, and then ignore Planned Parenthood, you're a fucking piece of shit. Let's move on to Farrakhan. On this International Women's Day, women's groups in the U.S. and some Democratic politicians are taking considerable heat for not being critical of Nation of Islam leader Louis Farrakhan and his latest rant against Jews and white people. Correspondent Doug McElway looks at what the minister is saying and what many on the left are not. The powerful Jews are my enemy. Minister Louis Farrakhan continues to be an uncomfortable presence for the left. His speech on Savior's Day, the birthday of the founder of the Nation of Islam, was laced with a volley of anti-Semitic rantings. They're the mother and father of apartheid, Jews, the good Jews. 
you better separate from these satanic Jews lest they take you down to hell with them because that's where you're, they're headed. Now, a lobbying group, the Republican Jewish Coalition, is calling for the resignation of seven members of the Congressional Black Caucus for having close ties to Farrakhan. Among them, outspoken Trump critic Maxine Waters and Deputy Chair of the Democratic National Committee, Keith Ellison. Ellison dismissed his relationship with Farrakhan, telling the Washington Post, quote, I am telling you, no one cares. Ellison also defended his 1995 remarks that Farrakhan was a role model for black youth. This was a year that the Million Man March took off. Right. People were attacking the march at the time. The march was a very good thing. So as you can expect, the media has totally ignored the Farrakhan debacle, the ties to Democrats, the photo of Obama and the Black Caucus with him. And that's no surprise, but it's huge on the internet. It's all over the web, all over the place. Mark Hemingway, anyone going to ask former President Obama why he met with Farrakhan as a sitting U.S. senator? It's not like he couldn't have known what he believed. And the Tapper thing even brought Yahoo News on board for the left. Tamika Mallory of the Women's March is a fan of Louis Farrakhan, and people are outraged. In the article, it said Jake Tapper stoked it. So... Tapper tweets, I didn't stoke anything. I reported what Farrakhan said and noted that some important leaders had attended and were self-proclaimed fans. Cameron Gray, stoked by Jake Tapper. Thanks, Jake Tapper, for stoking this. Jake Tapper shoots back smartassly. Yeah, they misspelled reported on. But the media is giving Tamika Mallory a total pass. Yet, here's one of her tweets from February 2016. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan just stepped to the mic for SD16 debt. I'm super ready. Super ready. And then the Anti-Defamation League. Now, understand, they're supposed to be the hardcore support of Jewish community Anything is anti-Semitism. But how do you think they played this? Yeah, like a liberal organization. Hey, Women's March, kudos for a strong statement. This is a good first step, yet leaders who attend Farrakhan's speeches or have heard his anti-Jewish and anti-LGBTQ hate should not hesitate to condemn it. Plain and simple. Everybody in the world, we're sorry for not immediately condemning anti-Semitism. We'll try to do better. This is a learning experience. Sign the Women's March. They didn't give a strong statement. The whole world attacked this guy. Jewish people were all over him like, that wasn't a, a strong statement. It was never a strong statement. Then Vox rolls out why Women's March leaders are being accused of anti-Semitism. In the article... Louis Farrakhan is no stranger to controversial statements. No stranger? This is the article. Criticism has also spread to broader Women's March organization, prompted the group to issue a statement on Tuesday. Blah, 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 blah. 
Louis Farrakhan is no stranger to controversial statements. The Nation of Islam is a group rooted in what would be defined most easily as a form of religious black nationalism that has been combined with some tenets of Islam. The group strongly believes in a black self-reliance and separatism from power structure dominated by whites, one of the factors that facilitated its higher profile during the civil rights era. Farrakhan has served as the leader nation of Islam since the 70s, blah, 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 blah. CNN's Jake Tapper tweeted several clips from Farrakhan's recent speech, also noting that Mallory was present and she posted from the event on Instagram. Since her attendance was first noted, Mallory has faced calls to publicly disavow Farrakhan, whom she has previously posted about on social media. In response, she has maintained that she is not anti-Semitic and that she's being misjudged. Several prominent activists and political figures, including Women's March co-president Bob Bland and political strategist Simone Sanders, have come to Mallory's defense, arguing that Mallory is facing criticism that should be reserved for Farrakhan. Then she went to Twitter to try to get some form of blowback off her. Family, thank you for loving me and for knowing the truth about who I am. My work speaks for itself. My words have been clear. My love for people is deep. Whatever else they said about me is a lie. Thank you for continuing to hold me up. I stand on my reputation. This is a threat. It seems I'm not being clear. I'm always and have been against all forms of racism. I am committed to ending anti-black racism, anti-Semitism, homophobia, transphobia. This is why I helped create an intersectional movement to bring groups together. You know, students say pro-life in there. Contrary to others, I listen. I have been in deep reflection and trying to be as thoughtful as possible. I want my own work to speak for itself. But I will reiterate my commitment to building this movement. I don't want to go back. I won't redraw the lines of division. I want a new way. Refinery 29, I think this is a distraction. I think this is a right-wing job. James Hassan, because one of them attended a speech where a guy called Jew satanic and she and her fellow bone members refused to apologize or condemn the speaker. Yeah, people tend to draw some conclusions from that. Sally Cohn, Oliver Willis. All to this. To reiterate, yes, of course, the Farrakhan thing is a phony right-wing bullshit. That that's how they're playing it. And why do I cover this? Uh, folks, remember, remember, when David Duke says something, every Republican candidate running for any office has to answer for it. When Rush Limbaugh called a woman a whore, every Republican candidate had to answer for it. Every. Not some. Not a few. Every one of them had to answer for those words. When a senator said the best form of birth control is putting an aspirin between your knees and holding it there. As a joke on MSDNC. Every Republican had to answer for it. This is so big that this was a blip. A blip. Washington Examiner. Planned Parenthood parts way with Women's March organizer over ties the Nation of Islam leader Louis Farrakhan. 
when a heinous group like Planned Parenthood runs away from you, you fucked up, bro. You fucked up. But that's, that's, those are just the facts. If every conservative is held accountable for white nationalists, for Charlottesville, I ask you, why isn't all the left held accountable for the guy that shot Scalisi at the baseball game? Why isn't the left held accountable for Farrakhan? And why in the name of Zeus's fucking ass crack has nobody asked Obama, why did you meet Farrakhan in 2005? Why did you and the Black Panther, uh, the Black Panther, same difference, Black Caucus, go and meet him and then suppress the photos? Every blue check that has tweeted this this week, I've outright just said one answer to him. If it wasn't a big deal, why did you and the press suppress the photo? If you don't think there's anything wrong with Farrakhan, why did you suppress the photo? And for those that are over the age of 25, remember the media covered the Million Man March done by the Nation of Islam like it was the Women's March. They live broadcast it. Do you think ever if David Duke did a million redneck march, the media would have covered that? Broadcast it? It wasn't like Farrakhan just started saying fucked up shit now, folks. This is the hypocrisy in our political system. Republicans are held accountable for every heinous shit that ever happens from the far, far right. But normal lefties to the far left right now have done some heinous shit since November 9th, 2016. And nobody's accounted for it. We showed it on the show. The baseball shooting is a perfect example. Nobody was questioned. Do you think the rhetoric's too much that a guy has a assassination list in his hand? And they're all Republicans? Every shooting we've had of late is a lefty. Pageant, a lefty. The kid, a lefty. That's why we don't hear the cause of the shooting. That's why we don't know anything about Vegas. The media doesn't want to cover that. There's a meme going around. The majority of shooters, major shooters, were lefties. They were liberals. They're not conservatives. Yet they go after conservatives. Try to get the conservatives' guns. It's fucking hypocrisy. DACA. Nancy Pelosi, possibly sensing a threat to the Democratic attempt to inflate their voter base, took serious offense to DOJ. This week her tweet was, The people of California will not be bowed by the Trump administration brazen aggression and intimidation tactics. We will fight this sham lawsuit and will fight all cowardly attacks on our immigration communities. Immigrant community, excuse me. Hmm. Chad Pergam. Pelosi on lawsuit over Sanctuary City. Same thing. It was carried by everybody. So to make sure we understand, you're being paid by U.S. taxpayers, and you will fight the U.S. Justice Department. You will not follow federal laws. You will protect criminals who are illegal in the U.S. Okay, we understand. 
a California resident. Government employees in your state broke federal laws. It's a legitimate lawsuit. And by the end of the week, DACA recipients protest outside DNC headquarters saying they're no longer Democrats. It's not fair that every two years I have to reapply this program and live with anxiety for two or three months, wondering if I'm going to be able to continue building my life in this country, wondering if I'm going to be continue to be able to help my parents. I don't know if I'm going to go visit my parents one day and they won't be there because they left for deportation. A young man took the microphone. They've ignored us for too long. I'm no longer going to be a Democrat. I'm no longer going to help them exploit my people. So the Democrats do your job. And to my friends and family, I'm sorry. Why would they say that? Oh, I know, because there's been all sorts of comprehensive immigration reform offered in the last nine years, and the Democrats have blocked it. They want this. They want to get these illegal immigrants, driver's license and voter registration, and let them illegally vote in California. My personal opinion right now is the next general election for President of the United States, California's total should not be even entered. California should be taken off the rolls. They are giving voting rights to non-citizens. How can you validate that vote? Camelia Harris, California represents the future. And if Donald Trump and Jeff Sessions don't like it, they're in for a fight. It's time for them to stop playing politics with immigrant communities and start focusing on public safety. Everybody. To Camellia, public safety is tipping off to potential ICE raids, which tips off violent criminal offenders. Violent criminal offenders terrorize the very community she claims she wants to protect. You think an attorney would have a better understanding of the law But she doesn't. Because at the end of the day, they want this. They need this. And by week's end, MS-13 is taking over the school, one teen warned, before she was killed. This is from Democracy Dies in the Dark. We're going to take him somewhere private and beat him to death, said Miguel Rivera, 20, according to Suffolk County indictment. The December 6th arrest of Rivera and four others, sworn to the police, said would have been a sixth murder of Brentwood High School students by MS-13 in less than two years. But the incident also shook the school for another reason. All but one of those arrested attend Brentwood, according to Suffolk County police. Three were unaccompanied minors who had been caught at the border and then placed in a community by federal refugee program. From New York to Virginia to Texas, schools in the area racked by MS-13 violence are now struggling with a sobering question. What do we, what to do when the gang isn't just in your community, but in your classroom? And this article breaks down all these DACA illegal immigrants, what they're doing to our schools. It's out of control. What do the comments section say? Interesting. 
After Trump mentioned MS-13 in a state union speech, Joy Reid said in a snotty tone of voice that she had never heard of MS-13. Clearly, some Democrats and journalists in the USA are clueless. Others have had the unfortunate experience of meeting members of MS-13. Fifteen years ago, MS-13 was a well-established in a Los Angeles neighborhood called Rampart. For lawyers with offices near La Brea Tar Pits, driving through Rampart on 3rd Street was the most efficient way to get to the courts in downtown Los Angeles. Los Angeles. One day, a lawyer in my office was driving to court in a broad daylight. Before he reached downtown, he stopped for red light traffic signal on Rampart. While he was sitting at the signal, four MS-13 members came into his car with a heavy wrench, broke the driver's side window, popped open the window, locked and dragged the man I worked with out onto the street. They took his wallet, his cell phone, his car keys, and left. Of course, he knew that with his driver's license showing his home address and his key ring, that he and his family were in danger of being robbed of their homes. The same night, he and his family checked in a hotel. They put their house up for sale and moved their stuff out. Every lawyer he knew stopped driving on 3rd Street on the way or from the courthouse. As a mother, I can tell you that teenagers, regardless of nationality, are capable of conning strangers and to think they are nice, reasonable kids, when in fact they are not. The lawyers and other activists described in this news story are delusional if they say teenage MS-13 members aren't dangerous. Cities in Southern California have been successful in curbing the activities of criminal gang members by getting court orders called gang injunctions. At the public school management, law enforcement agencies, city attorneys, and city councils in Suffolk County are not getting gang injunctions against MS-13 members. Perhaps they should do so. What are the rest of the Washington Post comments? Tis a pity these rock-stupid goobers don't complain about Trump's many, many Russian crimes. It's because they stupid. The left is so brainwashed by the media, they don't even see this is happening all over the country. It's just not New York. It's all over the country. And I ask you, is it worth the votes, Democrats? The violence in the streets. The problem is Trump wasn't making shit up. He wasn't just making shit up. These gangs are all over the country. They're killing, robbing, raping, murdering, stealing. Especially in the sanctuary cities. To a music break. And tweets of the day.
Back to Flyover Politics Podcast with Tony Reese. You know, I really tried to watch because I promised all of you I would try and you watch. You did promise. I thought I prom- we'll make an attempt, and it's like I think that this show is. 
I just want to know, do you care about Trump supporters watching? Because if you're just like, screw Trump supporters, they don't need to watch award show, great. But I thought the Mike Pence stuff, the Fox News joke, whatever, maybe I'm extra sensitive because I think we've had conversations that maybe I'm like a token millennial and I am extra sensitive about some of this. But it all feels so political all the time. And it feels very anti-Trump and very anti-Republican. How We all know Hollywood is predominantly filled with liberals. But it would just be nice if we could just take a beat on politics. We're also ensconced with it's it impossible. in every way. But it's impossible with yeah. Trump in the White House. He's too hilarious. But you know, <laughs> actually, I do. I, do, I agree. I actually was watching yeah. for more Trump jokes, more you know NRA messages, more of that stuff. Um, you know, I can't stand Trump. I was actually disappointed. So I, I think a lot of people, even before the Oscars began, were already talking about how insufferable the Oscars were going to be because they were going to be so political. There was a lot of preamble to the Oscars. Mm -hmm. I, first of all, if you don't want to listen to any of that, watch something else. But mm -hmm. I found it, Which I did. it kind of kind of let me down. I, you know, I was like, I wanted more Trump jokes. Yeah. So I wanted yeah, more Mike Pence. It also depends your lens you're watching it through. Right. I agree. You know, you I mean, it's not, show, but it's, it's a whole host of things. Like, you know, I, I don't I just don't make him watch like half an hour. I, I'm not, I, made, I made it to the Pence joke and I was like, all right, I only the watched the first, hands are on. I only watched the first half hour. Was Harvey Weinstein in the in memoriam segment? No. But I do think. Too soon? Too soon? No. Not too soon. But let me ask you one question about the Trump supporter. Sure. Don't you think that they can still be a Trump or supporter or like him in some way and still think it's funny to make fun of him? Because he really is hilarious. I agree that there are definitely things about Trump that are hilarious yeah. and de definitely worthy of satire. I think the problem is when it just feels so, it's it's so much all the time. And like, I got it. I know exactly where our comedians, for the most part, stand politically. But I was talking with Brian, who's our executive producer, who used to work for David Letterman. And it kind of is a lose-lose situation for comedians right now. I mean, Jimmy Fallon gets hit because he doesn't hit Trump. Yeah. And then you have yeah, you know, Jimmy Kimmel getting hit because he hits him too hard. So thank God I'm not a comedian because I think it would be a fine line. I didn't like yeah. the jokes. I didn't like the Fox joke. I'm 33. I watch Fox all the time. I, but I don't consider myself a feminist. And it's a really inconvenient, difficult place for a conservative pro-life woman within, in my opinion, and I actually spoke on the phone last night with my sister-in-law because I knew we were going to talk about it mm -hmm. for International Women's Day, that it feels like a very exclusive, the Women's March in particular felt very exclusive outside of me. And I want us to celebrate all women. So that means if you're talking about, uh, you know, Kamala Harris and Kristen Gillibrand, I would also like Condoleezza Rice and Mia Love and conservative women and Carly Fiorina to be included in that. And it seems to be a place where a lot of pro-choice women don't like having pro-life women who, uh, you know, don't don't think abortion rights are the number one issue. I think Hillary Clinton ran into this, that there was an assumption that just because I'm a woman, I'm going to vote for a woman. And for me, women's issues are, is also defeating ISIS. It's also foreign policy. All issues are women's issues. And that's where my problem comes from. Can I read you the definition really? of feminism? Yeah. I, just I know it, it, but I think it's been co-opted by a lot of things called well, Ali that I don't still, agree with. Let's go back to the source. The definition is the belief that women and men should have equal rights and opportunity. But does that mean I'm... There are many people who disagree, but yeah. you can yeah. still be a feminist wanting women to have the same rights that's as where men. I always fall in because I'm pro-life yeah. as well yes. and I'm Catholic and I, I feel like I am a feminist because I want equal pay, I want equal rights, I yeah. want women to be in the same position that men are in. I, I think it's I think it's actually very inclusive and I actually think men can be feminists as well. You don't have to be a woman to be a feminist. <laughs>
feminist. My but, husband says he is a feminist because right. he wants the same opportunities for his daughter that his son has. But I'm kind of with Megan for different reasons, though, because I'm not sure that I identify myself as a feminist, although by that mm. definition yeah. I am. Mm -hmm. But I'm also a southerner, and I guess I'm a little more traditional. And mm -hmm. I don't know, does it mean that it, it's weird if the guy wants to open the door and somebody says ladies first? I know that's probably not true. That's but a, I just, really a small... I, I know, I know. Mm -hmm. But I just, I don't know that I identify as a feminist. Because it's a dirty, it's but, a, is it, it just a feels very, word? No, it just feels way, like a very strong but, word. Although my daughter well, says, you are a feminist, Mom. You but, just, you know, you just don't like to wear the label. You and so, I are in the majority, hmm. by the way. 54% of Americans, men and women, don't consider themselves feminist or anti-feminist, according to a National Today survey. And I think that it is tied up in so many different things. I have a problem when it's so tied up with Planned Parenthood, it's so tied up with Cecile Richards, I don't understand why conservative women aren't given the same platform at women's marches to talk about Actually, our perspective. they are well. and have been turned down because I invited several women to the women's march. Who did you march. invite? It's dangerous to say that Rupert Murdoch and the Koch brothers are in any way the same as Louis Farrakhan. And that's, again, the women's movement and the women's march. Well, you, don't, 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 not you, but that's what you were saying, meeting at the table. There's a difference between, we meet at this table every day, we all have different perspectives on the world. There's a difference between meeting with someone who I think is a hate leader. I wouldn't meet with David Duke. Like, there are people I will not meet with. Period. And I think this is, he is in the same vein to me as David Duke. If you are so hateful that you think Hitler was a great man, I don't think you deserve a platform. I agree. I absolutely agree with you. But I think you were about to make is, are we setting a standard to the point where yeah. almost nobody yeah. can be I immune? mean, uh, everybody has baggage. Unless you're in utero, you have baggage. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do, do we do we need the other question that that I struggle with is do you need the leader of a movement? We've talked about that That's with Black Lives Matter. We've talked about that with the women's movement. It's critical to me to sit here and have such frustration over people that were invited to CPAC, like Le Pen. Who again, mm -hmm. I totally disagreed with and disavowed, and saying uh, we have baggage since we're in utero. No, this is not the same thing. It's not the same thing as meeting with. Uh, we don't like her either. We don't I like Farrakhan, and we don't like. I know, but I'm we're just saying. Disagreeing with you. Saying that what are we disagreeing with? But you're saying since in utero, there everyone has baggage. I agree, but my baggage isn't that I think Hitler's a great man. Yeah. My baggage is that I put some crap yes, on his agree with that. When I was there, are, there are limits to the baggage. Okay, so my question to yes. you is what should she do going forward? She has to distance herself. She has we'll to come, come back out and against make, We'll decide Absolutely. her fate. Yes. When we I'm not a big fan of Meghan McCain, but those are some good sound bites. So I'll throw them in there because it went with our first tweet of the day. And once again, all those sound bites came from tweets, but you know, this tweet I thought was perfect. After one of those sessions, it would be nice if Meghan McCain would take a beat on being wrong. It's so much all the time. Take a step outside your bubble to see people have very good reasons for being anti-Trump and anti-GOP. They're ruining lives. This is Here Nowhere 3. Meghan McCain's reply. I'm a conservative living in NYC. I'm completely inundated with liberal ideal, D ideals and perspectives. It is rare I ever meet anyone here who even remotely shares my worldview. My side is far outnumbered in the media, and I think our perspective deserves to be heard and understood. Another tweeter said, It's quite hilarious for a leftist to tell you to step outside the bubble when the left essentially controls the commanding heights of the agent prop culture. Media, academia, entertainment, news networks, now even soft corporate elites. Yeah. I thought it was perfect. There was a lot of those. You need to step outside your bubble, Megan McCain. <clears throat> the bubble 
is the left. You can't even get away from it. Our other tweets of the day. Sir, replacing a large number of our cashiers with automated menus and people aren't happy about it. What do we do? Tell everybody we're feminists. That's right. For International Women's Day, McDonald's flipped their M to a W. I just want to let that sit. Talk about pandering. SE Cup. So I've decided International Women's Day is meaningless. Men just be kind and respectful. But more importantly, women respect all women. Stop judging mothers. Stop photoshopping. Stop dividing us between left and right. Start caring about the world's child refugees. Start there. Yeah. Why don't we just start there? Because as we've shown over and over and over, folks, feminists are the most sexist there are. They treat men like shit, and they treat conservative women like shit. And our tweet of the day is two Tucker soundbites. One is about men in general, and another one's with a feminist. And I thought they were fucking fantastic sound bites, so we're going to play them and then go into our hate tweets. The things he said were awful, so, and he uh, should be well, put away. Well, speaking of, like, well, it sounds yeah. like he's being punished. Yeah, Finally, punished. I mean, so yeah. if we're creating a whole new class of crime, obviously we're repealing the First Amendment and... 250 years of tradition or to do it, but well, whatever. It's Belgium, it's not their amendment. No, but I'm just saying if it were here, but you know, it, you, right. to make an omelet, you break some eggs. So, but we'd also need to hire a whole new class of law enforcement, obviously, to enforce these laws, kind of like the Saudis do. What, what would that be like? Where would there be speech police in public places? Could they come into your home? Like, how would you do this? Well, this country already has it. There are profanity laws. So this country's had laws that are about 100 years old. They're according to municipalities and according to different states. You can't say bad words in public within uh, an officer or a children's earshot. So we already have those kind of laws in this country. So why not reintroduce the profanity laws with sexism laws and move on from words that offend to actions and um, and concepts that offend and that are violent. What's going to happen to rap music? Rap music? Well, I think teenagers are going to continue to enjoy it and, te- and parents are going to continue to hate it and hopefully the rap stars will um, learn to rap about nicer things and not teach such hatred. Yeah, they better. They're going to be in Kathy Roo prison. <laughs> so of course, prison. We're, of will, course yeah. we're rooting for them. Kathy, thank you very much. Good no to see you. They're grooming prevalence and motivation among women in the U.S. So those are the numbers, and they paint a very clear picture. American men are failing in body, in mind, and in spirit. This is a crisis. Yet our leaders pretend it's not happening. And in fact, they tell us the opposite is true. Women are victims. Men are oppressors. To question that assumption is to risk punishment. Even as women far outpace men in higher education, for example, virtually every college campus supports a women's studies department whose core goal is to attack male power. Our politicians and business leaders internalize and amplify that message. Men are privileged, women are oppressed. Hire and promote and reward accordingly. Now that would be fine if it were true, but it's not true. At best, it's an outdated view of an America that no longer exists. At worst, it's a pernicious lie. Either way, ignoring the decline of men does not help anyone. Men and women need each other. One cannot exist without the other. 
that is elemental biology. It's also the reality that each one of us has lived with our parents and siblings and friends. When men fail, all of us suffer. How did this happen? How can we fix it? We hope that this... Good old hate tweets. CNN International. Russian internet trolls created an anti-Hillary Clinton video game called Hiltendo and tried to make it go viral in the weeks for the 2016 U.S. presidential election. If it's not Russia, it's the Parkland kids. They just non-stop. Brian Flood. Disney boss tells shareholders that the View star Joy Behar apologized for anti-Christian remarks. She did not apologize. She called Pence, and Pence said, why don't you apologize to all Christians? It's just not me you insulted. You insulted fucking half the damn country. Over half. She gets away with it. In today's tolerance news, Bay Area Coffee Shop won't serve police for safety of the customers. That's actual truth. That's how far California has gone. Oliver Darcy, Fox News primetime, focusing tonight on the hard-hitting news of the day. Jim Tretcher, CNN, the most trusted name on what's currently on Fox News. <laughs> then there's mr dan malloy from connecticut as nra tv systematically tweets at rosie and dan malloy ct to coerce and intimidate we like to point out that merriam wester defines terrorism as the systematic use of terror especially as a means of coercion They were trying to prove this week, Dan Malloy, that they really are terrorists. Cam Edwards, thank you for proving that the NRA isn't anything close to a terrorist organization. Its power comes members who vote, including those who have fought actual terrorists overseas, and those working to protect us from actual terrorists here at home. Yeah. Then there's our asshole of the day. Fuck you, asshole. You asshole. This is why we can't have nice things. You asshole! Are you just an asshole? Is that it? Fuck you, you asshole! You ever hear the saying, you run into an asshole in the morning, you ran into an asshole. You run into assholes all day, you're the asshole. Fuck you, asshole. You! You are such an asshole! You dumb asshole! Asshole. Fucking asshole! Away from me, you asshole. He's an asshole. Does anybody remember Titus? It was on for like two years. It was kind of funny. But the comedian Christopher Titus has previously taken it upon himself to blame Dana Loesch for shootings in the United States. And he's outdone himself on challenge to sink even lower with a little help getting started. She's not exactly the brightest, is she? I thought the NRA believed in gun safety. This doesn't look very safe. Somehow, some way, some jackass 
pointed out a picture of her with her finger on the trigger. So Titus said, hey, Dana Loesch, this is proper trigger discipline. Not only are you the spokes chick for the NRA, but the NRA viewed this and still let the public see it. Don't put your finger on the trigger and don't point the gun at your head. Are you gundamentalist embarrassed yet? Dana, thanks for sharing an image from a snuff video that another anti-gun advocate like yourself made where they edit it in a hand to make it look like I killed myself. You're a class act. God bless. He argued forever and kept on going. I've checked out many stills since this started, and she looks to have proper tricker discipline. And everyone, I got sucked into the aha moment and joined and added to the idiocy. I was part, just more stupid. I apologize, Dana Loesch, the pick. I didn't know it was part of a video. That's 100% on me, and honestly, the video is really fucked up. We have become so polarized and desensitized that posting a video of someone we don't agree with shooting themselves is funny, just more stupid. My sister and my mother shot themselves, and there is nothing funny about it to me. Dana Loesch is someone I don't agree with, but she's a fellow American with family to you on the left who think you have to moral high ground. You're wrong. This video proves it. And to you on the right that can't see to come to grips with the fact that kids dying in schools is not something we need to deal with, like a national embarrassment, you're wrong. 550,000 Americans have died from guns since 1999. Two of those were my family. The NRA can help become heroes by helping and stopping the carnage, but that would cost money, and that seems more important to them that lives, I will continue to stand for less dead kids, blah, 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 yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Dana Loesch. After he was forced to apologize for staring stills from an edited snuff video, Titus Nation retreats to sharing fake garbage from Corrupt Media Matters. Sorry, Chris, you're not interested in discussion. Prince versus U.S. was about the federal government forcing states to implement and administer a federal program. It didn't bar states from submitting convictions. You don't even bother to research what you're talking about and continue sharing fake crap. You're disingenuous. Sorry, D. The reason that they said it violated the 10th was blah, blah, blah. He went on and on, and she said, what the hell is this keep diverting fake accusation? If you want a genuine discussion, stop making things up when I outright answer your question with facts. By the end, he calls her a whore, and there we are, our asshole of the day. It goes back to the primer of this fucking episode. If you're going to ban something, shouldn't you know what it is? This one should have been an hypocrisy, but I got to put it in hate. Because those that have been with the show a long time know what I think about the Southern Poverty Law Center. The Southern Poverty Law Center is a liberal front just to make every group, whether it be the Boy Scouts to a fucking Elks Lodge, a hate group, if it's conservative. And then they do shit like this. We were honored to take part as an official partner of the Women's March. We stand in solidarity. Hashtag the march continues. Errol Davis, self-proclaimed anti-hate organization, stands with hate. Alex Van Ness, I'm wondering if the left-wingers at SPLC still stand in solidarity Then it's public known that the Women's March organizers are Farrakhan-loving anti-Semites. Yeah. That's why I give it no credence. 
The media runs it out like they're this expert on hate groups. Their hate groups are just conservative groups. They don't do anything towards the left groups. Have you heard them talk out about Antifa? Then, this hate went down. Colin Noir is an NRA spokesman. If you watch the videos, he's a black guy in there. There's a whole issue with his name being a dog whistle. He responded to it with, where's the dog whistle? If anything, I'm dog whistling to black communities that our current leaders use gun control as a distraction to avoid dealing with the harder socioeconomic issues that have created the conditions in some of our communities. I think your name having black is almost porn-like in its overt humor. I can only be taught by a dark-skinned Puerto Rican who's talking about the dangers of Hell's Kitchen, which is a real place. I just find it brilliant and cliche if a writer did this. Again, Iva Fine. Countless interviews about the origins of my name. It's simple. I wanted to start a YouTube channel about guns. My friends call me Killin' Colin, and I love the color black. I thought Colin Noir sounded better than Colin Black. Not that deep. That was an angle. I have seen tweets towards him calling him an Uncle Tom because he's pro-gun. Who is the tolerant people in the country anymore? From my perspective, it's conservatives. Liberals are 100% intolerant. And where does it come from? Our media. Let's go to hypocrisy. Hypocrisy! This is one night in our nation's capital during which we can find safe haven from cries of fake news and enemy of the American people. Never in our nation's modern history has it been more dangerous to be a journalist. So toxic is today's environment that newsrooms have had to drastically increase security. Some news organizations have felt it necessary to send their crews into the field with armed security guards. None of tonight's honorees, and no one else in this room, is a purveyor of fake news, and no one in this room is an enemy of the American people. Times such as these do demand that our team beats back against the tide of brutish threats uh, from the president and from some of his allies. We also know that it's our responsibility to call out those times when constitutional norms are being challenged, those times when the President of the United States actually channels Joseph Stalin and calls the media the enemy of the people. One thing we're not is the opposition. Um, we've never tried to be a part of the political debate, but people want to drag us into it. 
we shouldn't take the bait. We're simply a voice of truth. There's no balance. There's just fairness and truth. And a true voice and the truth is what we all need to be hearing right now. A voice that no matter how many disparaging tweets or calls of fake news, we can't be, let it be silenced. There's plenty of people trying to undermine what we do for a living. There's plenty of people that are motivated to undermine us for their own gain, political, financial, or whatever. Just keep that in mind. We just need to be fair, credible, honest, and most importantly, transparent. Because I believe in the 21st century, transparency is the new objectivity. Oh, my God, they're such victims. They're just such victims, man. That was a media lunch, uh, media dinner, and that's Chucky Todd up there just crying and crying and crying. And it brings me to a great, great article. Bob Woodward. Some reporters are becoming emotionally unhinged covering Trump. You describe the Trump presidency as being a test for news media. Do you think the media is failing the test? Um, now an associated, but we have a lot of work to do to continue. The number of reporters have times become emotionally unhinged about it all, one way or the other. Look at MSNBC or Fox News, and you will see those continually either denigrating Trump or praising him. I think the answer is in the middle, and in this class, I talk about how it's important to get your personal politics out. It's destructive to become too politicized. The emotion should be directed at doing more work, not some feeling or personal conclusion. In lots of reporting, particularly on television commentary, there's kind of self-righteousness and smugness and people kind of ridiculing the president. When we reported on Nixon, it was obviously a very different era, but we did not adopt a tone of ridicule. The tone was, what are the facts? What are the facts? There, there are no facts. A sitting editor of the New York Times. This broke yesterday. It's easy to look at what's happening in Washington, D.C. in despair. That's why I carry a little plastic Obama doll in my purse. I pull him out every now and then to remind myself the United States has a progressive African-American president until very recently. Some people find this strange, but you have to take comfort where you can find it in Donald Trump America. That, that's real. That, that's a real thing. An editor for the New York Times. She works for a British paper now. Carried an Obama doll. See what I say? It was a cult for Obama. It wasn't that Obama was a good president. Obama was the president these white, guilt, privileged people wanted. They wanted to somehow have a black president so they could feel better about America. And now that he's gone, they carry little dolls. That is the fucking sickest shit I've ever heard. And how a journalist could actually be that biased and keep their job. I don't know. I don't know how you could keep your job. I mean, seriously, folks. An Obama doll? In your pocket? What the fuck? An Obama doll? 
in your pocket. That is sick. That is fucking sick. Her name was Jill Abramson. I just wanted to rant for a while before I gave the money shot. On her Twitter feed, she has a picture of her and an editorial decision is impacted by gender balance. That's the first thing. She's an old lady, teaches creative writing, Harvard, and is writing a book about the news. Fifteen remarkable women are overlooking our obituaries. Uh, she retweeted Margaret Sullivan. I shouldn't take more than a mooch or so. How soon before Nuremberg becomes, Nunberg becomes a verb? On International Women's Day, very proud of champion all-gold robotics team. Dr. Cornelia Griggs sees up close the damage that bullets do and writes about it. Opinion, we were taught to heal children, not how we learn Banafil injuries. Uh, great column by Charles M. Blow, attacking the woke black vote. Yeah. That's there. This is why Thurma, Uma Thurman is angry about Harvey Weinstein. Today, Janet Yellen's last Fed meeting, first woman does the worst job, record jobs, low inflation. She's my Disney princess. My latest. After a year of Donald Trump, there's still hope amid the horror. That's her article for The Guardian. But that, my friends, was an executive editor for The New York Times. See, this is when conservatives... Get to say, I told you so. The media is highly liberal, and it's a cult. And for eight years, you didn't report, so that at the end of the eight years, you could say the scandal-free presidency of Barack Hussein Obama. But that's because you never reported. And in line with this super bias that I've ranted about for five minutes now, sorry. Because it just blows me the fuck away. Listen to the coverage of North Korea. I'm going to have a special segment afterwards. In fact, I'll just attach it to it. You'll hear the mainstream chunk about North Korea. And then you'll hear Rachel Maddow losing it. It's not that Trump will do the negotiations. Don't get suckered into it. This is no different than guns, immigration, the tax plan, which people love, they just don't want him to succeed. They're allowed to do what McConnell did, and the media doesn't cover obstruction, like all the appointments that haven't been done because they're blocked by the Senate. They are deathly afraid that if Donald Trump gets this North Korea thing fixed, as Aaron Burnett said this week, how could you not consider him a great president? All right, uh, that was a stunning statement. Let's just start with the most stunning part. Uh, that was the uh, National Security Advisor uh, for South Korea, Jong Hoi Yong, and he is saying that in his meeting with President Trump, President Trump uh, expressed his eagerness to, um, or, I'm sorry, Kim Jong Un expressed his eagerness to meet President Trump as soon as possible. That is an incredible thing, and I don't think there's anybody watching this or any expert on, on Korea who expected uh, that response at this time. Pretty stunning, just an extraordinary evening, and of course opening the door to the big question. If President Trump can truly solve this problem, uh, that would be going down as a great president. 
and there's no way around that. That is the reality here. This is actually a moment that we, that very few of us thought we'd ever see. The North Koreans agreeing to put denuclearization on the table, agreeing to talks with the South Koreans, inviting the President of the United States to have the talks, agreeing to suspend their nuclear <coughs> missile tests while they're doing it, in exchange for what? In exchange for nothing. But this is definitely... Uh, 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 an, an initiative worth pursuing. The talks themselves, while they go on, will freeze the program. That is a major national security achievement. Oh, this all came up just in the last few hours that this was going to be announced tonight. Now, I think back to what the president said just six days ago, or five days ago, at that uh, gridiron dinner here in Washington, where he said he would be, of course, open to talks. Uh, if, in fact, North Korea committed to the potential for denuclearization, abandoning its nuclear weapons program. And it seems like that's where we are. But it is certainly a, a remarkable evening here at the White House, Chris. That's for Here to break it all down in three minutes is the host of The Ben Shapiro Show and DailyWire.com editor-in-chief, my friend, uh, Ben Shapiro. So there's a lot on the president's plate. And you, I just wanted to talk to you about how you think they're managing that, because... In some ways, it does help, I think, to have the United States seem a little bit unpredictable when you have all of these different things happening around the world. Now, I do think that, you know, for your enemies, you want to seem unpredictable. But for your allies, you do want to seem predictable. Your allies mm -hmm. want to know that you have their back. And, and with regard to Israel particularly, the president has been very consistent on mm -hmm. that. With regard to the Korean situation, that obviously has, has been uh, a little bit more troubling. Uh, the real question with regard to the president meeting with, with Kim Jong-un, which may or may not happen now, it sounds like, uh, is will there actually be preconditions? What will those preconditions be? Right. And what does the president hope to get out of it? If he really believes that the Kim regime is going to unilaterally disarm without the United States pulling all of its troops out of South Korea, which is, would be a disastrous foreign policy mistake, uh, then I think that he's sorely mistaken. But uh, again, th this is a president who definitely operates by his own rules. I, I think that sometimes that is a good thing, is when he bucks the conventional wisdom mm -hmm. on Jerusalem, for example, mm -hmm. and sometimes it's not so good as with the, the tariff policy. Speaking of tariffs, I did want to bring up one thing. So uh, Mario Draghi, who is the um, European Central Bank leader, had um, something to say about those tariffs. He said, if you put tariffs against your allies, one wonders who the enemies are. And I noted this morning that you know Brazil purchases a lot of coal from the United States um, to make steel that then it wants to export. So it was not in the carve-out yesterday, and they have now already said, well, maybe we won't buy so much coal from the United States. So there aren't these decisions aren't without consequences. Well, that's right, and I think this is the big problem with some of the issues on which the president feels most passionate. Obviously, he feels passionately about trade, and he believes that America is being screwed in, in foreign trade deals, but the evidence for that is simply not there as a general matter. And this this particular announcement seems you know off the cuff. It seemed like there wasn't even a policy written to support it as of yesterday. Uh, and everybody is scrambling to deal with it. That sort of unpredictability is not good for markets. It's certainly not good for international trade. It could mm -hmm. lead to uh, the the depression of of the economy that's really booming right now. I mean, the president had a really good month in February. Three hundred thirty thousand jobs added. It doesn't yeah. seem like the best way to to you know cap that. Is with, a, is with a move that is, is likely to, to put a damper on markets. I thought I'd maybe like, ask you to talk about um, Syria for a moment because you know, the president acted very decisively early on in the administration and showed uh, Assad, you know, who's boss when it comes to the red line on chemical weapons. And that now, that whole situation is just desperate, especially for the civilians, including children. Do you think that the president needs to revisit and maybe make a concrete policy in that area? 
Well, I mean, obviously we need something that more resembles a policy. And this isn't on President Trump. I mean, this, this thing was a mess thanks to the Obama administration. He was handed uh, a complete mess, complete chaos, and obviously he's handled things well with regard to ISIS. Mm -hmm. But if, you, if the humanitarian crisis in Syria is of any concern to the administration, they're going to need a better policy than let Russia do what it wants. And every so often we'll have a firefight with actual Russian militias on the ground, which has actually happened. Right. Uh, so it's, 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 it, nobody really seems to know what's going on there. And I'm not sure there's a great solution, but the, the administration isn't providing a whole hell of a lot of guidance. That's true. Well, in foreign policy, it's usually, there's never any great solutions usually. There's just better ones than your alternatives. Ben Shapiro, <laughs> make sure to listen to his podcast, everybody. Ben Shapiro, and you can find him on Twitter, too, at Ben Shapiro. Thank you. Suddenly, you have the foreign policy community shocked and caught off guard by the most significant announcement a commander-in-chief could make in 2018. So tariffs and North Korea, all to distract from a president that didn't go through the proper channels or use the proper interagency uh, processes once. Or again, a distraction to change the headlines from Stormy Daniels, I which think, was yesterday. Yeah, that's exactly uh, what to, it is. <laughs> to North Korea today. He just makes a decision on tariffs because of Hope Hicks, and he makes a decision on North Korea because of Stormy Daniels. And, and people, can, people can deny that all they want, but if you're doing that, you're in the tank for Donald Trump because it is painfully obvious yes, that that's exactly the, what's going on. This is he wanted, pattern. you know what? He did not want the Washington Post to have the word Stormy Daniels on the front page today. Guess what? He succeeded, and he succeeded by lying about a letter that didn't even exist. His relationship with the porn star is confirmed, and he doesn't want it on the front page. There's, there's no question. But it's not going to go a... away. Now, you might imagine another president in this circumstance. Kim Jong Un makes a makes a request. Do you want to meet? You might you might think like another president in this circumstance. You could imagine a president asking himself or herself, "Why has no other American president ever agreed to do this? Why has no sitting American president?" ever met with a leader from North Korea. Why has that never happened in all the decades North Korea has existed as a nation? Why, why hasn't any other president ever done? Should I take that to mean that this might be a particularly risky or even an unwise move? See, I, I think that's how most presidents would approach the idea of a personal presidential meeting with the North Korean dictator. I think a lot of people probably suspect tonight that those are not the kinds of questions that this president asked himself uh, before agreeing to this meeting. But this is the president we have, and he said yes to North Korea. Um, the New York Times tonight headlining this breaking news as, quote, a breathtaking gamble. I'm still astounded that she actually has good ratings. I, I don't. I don't know how you can watch her show. And it's not because she's a lesbian. I'm not a homophobe. It's not because she's a woman. I'm not a sexist. It's because her show is hard to watch. She is like the smart kid trying to explain to you why everything in your life is wrong. And she doesn't explain it very well. But that whole soundbite to me just reeks of it has nothing to do with all the specious bullshit we've been talking about. It's not that he's got his hand on the nuclear trigger and all this stuff. It really comes down to, God damn it, if he actually did something on North Korea, we'd have to fucking praise him, and we can't do that. He has to fail. We have to punish America for not doing what we said. 
That's why you have headlines like Morning Joe, Trump's North Korea announcement, painfully obvious ploy to distract from Stormy Daniels. The only two networks that are covering it are you and CNN. Obsessed. MSNBC, Stormy Daniels gossip eclipse North Korea. They roll out rice. Why the hell you'd bring rice out? I don't know. I think it's absolutely imperative that the president draw on the expertise that exists in the United States or North Korea, which means hand it back to Obama company. I'm sorry. You guys don't get to have a say anymore. You gave Iran a bunch of money and they killed U.S. soldiers because your chief of staff is an Islamist. Valerie Jarrett. Our media is so off kilter. Articles like this. Elizabeth Bruning is an opinion columnist at the Washington Post. She wanted to get that out of the way because she's not just a freelance writer contributing to an op-ed for the paper. She works there, collecting a paycheck from deep inside the capitalist system. Maybe something up at work because on Tuesday she's published an opinion piece called It's Time to Give Socialism a Try. What Could Go Wrong? That's an article. Bruning buys into complaints that Americans appear to be isolated, visually competitive, suspicious of one another, and spiritually shallow, and that we are anxiously looking for some kind of attachment to something real and profound in the age of decreasing trust and regard. These traits seem to be emblematic of a capitalism which encourages and requires fierce individualism, self-interested disregard for the other, and resentment of arrangement into which one deposits more than he or she withdraws. Yeah, what did fierce individualism ever do for the United States, this article asked. So what's the solution? I would support a kind of socialism that would be democratic and aim primarily at decommodifying labor, reducing the vast inequity brought about by capitalism, and breaking capital stranglehold over politics and culture. That's our media. If you really distilled out, I mean, I'm dogging her, but I give her big kudos. At least she admits it. But if you sit and watch CNN all day and you watch MSNBC all night, you watch the nightly news on any of the major networks, this is all of them. They all want socialism. They all advocate for everybody gets something. The tide shall make all boats rise, as Obama used to say. They hate our country. So if they're not advocating for shit like this, I, I gotta bring this fembot back. Here's Jim Acosta again. Uh, if you're a dreamer out there, should you have confidence that this president is going to reach an agreement that will protect you from being deported? Quick follow up on, on FISA. Um, there seems to be a pattern, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that, that there is no pattern, where the president watches something on Fox and Friends and then he tweets apparently this morning uh, one of their uh, personalities, uh, Andrew Napolitano, uh, said that uh, this is not a good deal, Mr. President, don't do this. And then he went on Twitter and tweeted about the FISA program. Uh, there have been folks out there who have said, you know, there's a cause and effect. He watches something on Fox and Friends uh, and then he tweets about it. Is that what happened this morning and does that go on? I'm sure you're disappointed he's not watching CNN. Uh... 
think you might have a lot of CNN, if you don't mind. <laughs> I, I don't think that's true. Your numbers would be higher. We had a chance to ask the president some questions here at the White House. He was meeting with the president of uh, Kazakhstan here in the last uh, hour or so. Uh, this started in the Oval Office, where he was sitting down with the president of Kazakhstan. They were exchanging uh, words, as you so often see, uh, with the president and a head of state uh, here at the White House. And at the end of uh, their remarks, at the conclusion of their remarks, uh, we tried to ask uh, the president about uh, this controversy over uh, his describing countries from Africa and Haiti as shithole countries. And uh, we also asked the president about uh, a remark that was relayed to reporters uh, that he said he wanted more people to come in from places like Norway. Uh, I asked the question about uh, that, and here's what the president had to say in, in response to that. Mr. President, did you say that you want more people to come in from Norway? Did you say that you wanted more people to come in from Norway? Is that true, Mr. President? I want them to come in from everywhere, everywhere. Thank you very much, everybody. Just Caucasian or white countries, sir, or do you want people to come in from other parts of the world where there are people of color? Jim, thank you. And uh, not sure if you can hear the end of that there, uh, Wolf, uh, but as I tried to ask whether he wanted uh, more people to come in just from white or Caucasian countries, uh, he said, out. He pointed at me and said, out, as in get out of the Oval Office. Uh, after that, we went into the Roosevelt Room uh, inside the White House, where he and the President of Kazakhstan uh, made some pretty lengthy remarks, uh, essentially just talking about foreign policy and business dealings uh, between the two countries. And then at the conclusion of those remarks, uh, we attempted to ask the President more questions about this controversy, and it was at that point, Wolf, I have to underline, I've never encountered anything like this before at the White House. Uh, the Deputy Press Secretary, Hogan Gidley, uh, and a wrangler, uh, press wrangler over here at the White House, uh, got uh, basically right up in my face and in the faces of other pool reporters here at the White House and started shouting so loudly uh, that it was impossible for the president to hear our questions or even uh, see that we were trying to ask questions. It was that kind of a display. Uh, it reminded me of something that you, you might see in uh, less democratic countries uh, when people at the White House or officials of a foreign government uh, attempt to get in the way of the press in, in doing their jobs. But essentially that is what just happened a few moments ago here. They, they were so determined to block us uh, from asking questions that they got right up in our face and started shouting, no questions, no questions, uh, so the president could make an exit from the Roosevelt Room without taking any questions. Wolf. Yeah. No, that's not a repeat, my friends. He brought up the same complaints. I want you all to understand once again. Do you remember Obama? He never asked on Fox. He did an interview with Fox. Why, why would a sitting president right now do an interview with CNN? They're a last place cable news network that has totally lost the trust of the American people. They have done nothing but do Saturday Night Live skits every fucking day as real news. You start with Chris Cuomo, you end with Don Lemon. All the way through, it's the same thing. Trump's the devil, we're progressives. They're so progressive now, liberals don't watch them. Make, let that sink in. Liberals don't watch that network. Nobody's watching it. It's unwatchable. When your Chiron is like politifact on everything during speeches and you're purposely attacking a president over and over, it's unwatchable. And when you've done that since November 9, 2016, and you have to correct it a million fucking times because it's all bullshit, one source things, one source. 
Other day it was Sarah Sanders and Trump were in an argument. One source wasn't true. But Acosta broke it. And when you do these crazy things about hurricanes and global warming and you actually talk about the fucking Statue of Liberty fucking poem, it's virtue signaling on a corporate level and it's just sad. To our media mash, NBC's going to lead us off. Actually talking like Governor Brown over feds punishing California for sanctuary state obstruction, then carrying Pelosi's water that tax cuts hurts kids. Just going to hurt the kids. CNN, always going to be here. They feature Cruz's opponent with love and admiration, and he got totally smoked, right, by like 600,000 votes. Then they bring Rippin back. The bronze medalist for a team sport, but he fucking sucked at his own event, but he bashed pests, so we like him. Then Stephanie Rule on MSDNC. I can't even paraphrase this. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard for Trump derangement segment. Uh, Honky Tonk Rodeo. Process-led organization. Really. It's virtue signaling on a corporate level. We turn to California now, one of a handful of states that extend protections to people living in this country illegally. They're known as sanctuary states. Tonight, that policy has California locked in a bitter war of will and words with the federal government, which has now sued the state over the policy. As national correspondent Miguel Almaguer reports, Attorney General Jeff Sessions is leading the charge. In Sacramento, new battle lines drawn in what the governor calls the war against California. Protesters greeting U.S. Attorney General Jeff Sessions amid a fierce fight over immigration raids. This is a press stunt by the highest law enforcement officer in the land. The Justice Department is suing California for hindering enforcement of federal immigration laws and endangering federal agents. How dare you? How dare you needlessly endanger the lives of our law enforcement officers to promote a radical open borders agenda. Sessions blasted Oakland Mayor Libby Schaaf, who warned the public as federal agents were fanning out for an immigration raid. But Sessions says 800 undocumented immigrants got away. Her actions support those who flout the law and boldly validates illegality. How dare you? distract the American people from a failed immigration system. A sanctuary state, California limits cooperation between local and federal immigration enforcement. They've been part of the economy, millions of people. Now to treat them like animals and round them up and dump them in cells or on the border. One of the biggest accomplishments of the Trump administration has been sweeping tax reform. But some of the cuts that could come with it could leave certain families in need. There are so many children with so-called rare diseases, including my own son. And there are many amazing doctors and researchers working toward treatments and cures. But they need help. And for years and years, there was an incentive, something that helped drive this research. But unfortunately, it's just been reduced dramatically. For 35 years, drug companies could write off a significant portion of their research on orphan diseases, where there might not be enough patients to recoup the costs of a drug's development. Just recently, the orphan drug tax credit in this last tax bill was reduced from 50% tax credit to a 25% tax credit. 
Some critics say the cut is simply cruel for families like the Romans, who fear companies will stop making the drugs their children are on, or stop looking for new ones that Brooks, our son Henry, so many others badly need. Stories, liberal Robert wanted to fit in, so he changed his name to Beto and hit it with a grin. Beto wants those open borders and he wants to take our guns. Not a chance on earth he'll get a vote from millions of Texans. Now, Congressman, I know you have a punk rock past. Um, do you plan to compose a punk rock song to counter that jingle? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to continue to meet with and work with my fellow Texans on the big issues that we want Texas to lead on. Congressman, that's the way to do it. Why aren't you taking my punk rock bait? <laughs> because I, I just don't think that's what folks in Texas uh, want us to focus on. I mean, we we can get into name calling and uh, talk about why the other person's such a uh, an awful guy, or we can focus on the big things that we want to do for the future of our country, for the generations that will succeed us, and. Um, this is the most critical moment in the most important year of our lifetimes, and we've absolutely got to get it right. So yeah. we can focus on the small, mean, petty stuff, or we can be big, bold, courageous, and confident. I think that is Texas. Uh, that's that's our distinction as a state. That's our opportunity to lead. Uh, and that's the, that, that's the, the way I'm going to stay focused going forward in this campaign. Yeah. Look, I'm just saying as a Jersey girl, you know, punk rock, own it. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Congressman uh, Better work. thank you very much. Great to talk. As proud as you were for this, you worked a lifetime. I did. Uh, for thank this. You. And here, you should be yours. Um, you decided to make a statement on a very big stage, both on the ice and off. How proud are you of that as well? What conversation would you, would you want? What would be the goal? You know, the conversation, I don't really have anything personally to say to Mike Pence. The conversation isn't for me. It's for people whose lives have been changed by legislation that he's pushed. Um, before the opening ceremonies, he tweeted at me and he said, I want you to know that I'm for you and I'm for all the Olympians, which I think that's great. But I don't believe it. Because when I go home, are you still for me? Are you still for other LGBTQ Americans? Are you still for that trans man or woman that wants to join the military? Are you still for that lesbian couple that wants to get married? That's where I feel like the tweet is almost disingenuous. So if you don't mind sticking around, we'd love to have you because we're going to do something that we do every day here called the good stuff. I love that. I love the good stuff. It's good news. And you are the good stuff. If I didn't have a birthday, I would feel like no one loved me. And I really want them to feel loved this side. Now you have competition for America's Sweetheart. <laughs> I don't know. Those girls are very cute. I think that they're they're pulling up ahead of me. <laughs> there's always a next generation. There is. There's always well. somebody younger and cuter, isn't there? Well, maybe we younger. just proved it. But you got the cute market corner. There's also the question, when you pull back and step back more broadly, right? And Stephanie, I want to bring you in on this, because the New York Times, I think, has this great stat about how there is a 43% turnover in the first year, which is three times more than President Obama had. It's double the turnover rate for Ronald Reagan. You can see it here, the revolving door inside this administration. When the president was walking out of that press conference, friends yesterday I yelled at him hey where's Gary Cohn because he wasn't there I could have easily said do you have faith in HR McMaster 
Are you going to keep John Kelly around? I mean, pick your advisor, Stephanie, when you talk about the turmoil inside the West Wing. Now, there are those who say to me, well, listen, Hallie, I think you overstate it. People inside the administration who say it's really not that chaotic. But I think there's an acknowledgement from okay. most people that there's a ton of turmoil, Steph. Those people who say that inside the White House are straight up lying. Because you and I both know from all the people we speak to inside this administration, it is a madhouse in there. I know the president now, can continue I said to say... Before, I think when people hear madhouse they think that like folks are sprinting down the hallway throwing papers you know screaming no. it's not no. outward like that it's what's happening on the process side like you talked about with why gary Cohn was so upset as tamara and kimberly are nodding next to me by the way that is exactly it but the president he might not be aware of this or doesn't care because he has never run a process-led organization where there's been any accountability name a top executive who worked in the trump organization who went on to greatness in business what's his name what's her name oh you don't know it they don't exist so this sort of honky-tonk rodeo that president trump adores this gladiator style i like people with different opinions gladiators fought to the death and gladiators were slaves that's not they're just horrible they're so horrible emily shazinski instructive snapshot of the media moment a purportedly serious national news outlet leading with an anonymously single-source story about the White House gossip. This made the TV Chiron for a bit, too. That's a journalist. She surmises with, The story is interesting and worth publishing, but overhyping it is, to this level, a big mistake. Then you have Salon, who this week ran an article... Based on a course in a college, San Diego State University. I'm not going to read it. The death cult of Trumpism. Through racism and nationalism, Trump leverages tribal resentment against an emerging manifest common destiny. That's an article. That's an article in our media right now. And lastly, all week long, CNN has been obsessed with Stormy Daniels. When we were just told private matters don't matter for, for Nashville, now all of a sudden it does matter that he might have had an affair 10 years ago with a porn star. They can't get any traction on this because Stormy Daniels isn't really saying anything. She signed the waiver but they're saying that he didn't or something. They went to a strip club she was going to dance on. This is an actual report from Nick Valencia. Adult film star is alleged to have an affair. President Donald Trump arrives for her first show since filing a lawsuit against him. And they went backstage and did sound bites with strippers. CNN, the most trusted name in the news, is hanging out in strip clubs trying to gin up a story which will lead to nothing. You will not be able to impeach the President of the United States because he had an affair 10 years ago. The reason why he can't impeach the President of the United States because he had an affair 10 years ago is that 30 years ago or 20 years ago, whatever the fuck it is, you said Bill Clinton can shove cigars off up anybody's twat and it's fine. That's private business. 
And then when he lied about it, you said it wasn't lying. They just want to embarrass him. It's no longer news. It's corporate virtue signaling. To our stats of a day, there is a leaked document that got out, and it's the Democrat release tax hike plan. You're going to bring back the alternative minimum tax for 4 million families, cut the death tax standard deduction in half, and by the end of it, they would raise taxes on everybody under the guise of saying that they're going to help the middle class. And now they're embarrassed because that wasn't supposed to get out. That's their plan if they try to take over Congress. And right now it looks like they have a good shot at taking the House, but they're going to get their asses kicked in the Senate, and the Senate will become majority Republican. That's the latest 538 shit. The positive numbers, 155,215,000. That is a record number of employed Americans. Within this and not on your media, the unemployment rate for black Americans fell back down to a historic low in February after spiking in January. Just 6.9% of black adults were unemployed in February. That in itself is a story. Since during Obama, it hovered around 14% unemployment. He has cut it in half. But he's the racist. Okay. Excellent news in our stats of the day. Mississippi makes history with a thick 15-week ban on abortion. And it can't be overturned. Senator Joy Filligan, who presented the bill in Mississippi Senate, cited these provisions of the bill on the Senate floor. An unborn human being being begins to move about about in the womb at approximately eight weeks. A nine-week gestation, all basic physiological functions are present. Teeth, eyes are present, as well as external genitalia. An unborn human being's vital organs begin to function at 10 weeks. At 11 weeks gestation, an unborn human begins begin being, excuse me, diaphragm is developing, and if she is she may have hiccups. At 12 weeks, an unborn human being can open and close his or her fingers, starts to make sucking motions, and senses stimulation from the world outside the womb. Attached to this, Pro-life Democratic congressman warns Democrats about the Tea Party of the left. This article broke, was actually in the New York Times. And outright states, a growing number of Democrats are starting to break away with the cult of death that is the Democrats. Unfettered abortion until they're toddlers. And that makes me happy as a pro-life person. San Diego schools ordered to reveal correspondence with Muslim advocacy group. San Diego school district to hand over evidence of correspondence with a Muslim advocacy group. An anti-bullying plan called for adding Muslim holidays to staff calendars. Jesus, J. Christ. To Libby Schaff, the Oakland mayor who tipped off ISIS, or <laughs> tipped off ISIS, what's the difference? Tipped off illegal so ICE couldn't get them. I put it in the stats, not in the uh, fire for effect, because 
Oakland Mayor Libby Schaaf received over 1,000 angry calls of protests against her decision last week to warn illegal aliens of impending ICE raid. Schaaf was told, who told the Washington Post, I definitely consider myself part of the resistance, angered ICE officials who made 232 arrests over several days but said that 800 illegal aliens evaded. The rough subjective tally is a Friday afternoon. Love her decision, 153. Hate, 1,037. Her own constituents didn't like it. To the blue wave, all we hear is that Texas is going to turn blue. Didn't work that way. RRH election tweets, contrary to the media narrative going into the election, the GOP could have as much as 23-point lead in turnout in voting today. And they did. 1,140,565 votes for Ted Cruz. 492,000 for Bobby O'Rourke. It was a Texas-sized turnout Tuesday with Democrats hitters, voters hitting 1 million and Republican voters breaking their record of 1.48 million. GOP edged out about 22 points, 61 to 39 percent. Debs should gain back some ground, but I suspect they won't prove to be the night they were imagining. None of their top candidates are posting great numbers, and this doesn't look like a vote of a blue Texas. Within this article, it was linked to an Axios, no conservative site, exclusive poll, big warning signs for Democrats. All through it, the representative for Republican is way ahead. A lot of people are down, including mansions at 43%. And the approval rate in some of these states, Missouri, 60, West Virginia, 65% Trump, 58% Montana, 55% Missouri. There's not one, even Wisconsin, 48 Michigan, 47 Scott is 43 Florida, Nelson's 53 So it looks like that's going to turn Democrat. But even in Florida, Trump's approval rating is 46. But you couldn't tell that on our media. Here are some of the headlines from MSNBC. Early voting numbers have more than doubled in at least 15 counties for Democrats. In the past two weeks, Democrat voters have shown up in force. Their early voting was up 105%. There's some enthusiasm and excitement on the Democratic side and increase in early ballots. Guys, people are voting again. In Texas, nearly 50,000 more Democrats and Republicans voted early, Katie Turr said. Early voting among Democrats has been extraordinarily high, Chuck Todd said. None of them went back and said, hey, hey, we were wrong. So far, the Matt Dow, the Ted Cruz campaign reaction to Beto O'Rourke campaign is telling Sina how concerned they are about his candidacy and that they think they could lose. Looks very desperate. The entire world said, did you even watch the news? He got smoked. Goes back to they don't care. Stats don't matter. Another disturbing stat, other than our media bias. French media revealed that there are as many as 777 random violent attacks across France every day. A recent one that made the news Sri Lankan migrant scalp man and cut off his fucking arm. Yeah. That's, that's fucking 
really bad. And nobody seems to care. They still are pushing for unfettered immigration into our country. To a music break and news and social media nuggets. It's the time of the season When love runs high In this time, give it to me easy And let me try with pleasured hands To take you in the sun To promise lands To show you everyone Translated to Fop Podcast is the best. Only you can do my bonus. 
and listen. Only you can do my bone, yeah. Wing and listen, wing and listen, wing and listen. Poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. This, this is this is something, man. This is this is our generation, man. All you people, we're all together, man. It's groovy. And dig yourselves, cause it's really groovy. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. For instance, right see these girls? Yeah. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls, and they'll pop your figs. Save the whales. to bring out the old military corner. I love that soundbite. Oh, love it. Trump pardons Navy sailor who did nothing compared to Hillary. Saucier was convicted of unauthorized retention of national defense information by holding onto photos aboard the submarine that show classified technology. Do you remember this? And we all freaked out and we were military because Hillary was getting over. Trump frequently criticized Clinton for her use of a private email server while serving as Secretary of State. He noted during the campaign that Saucier did nothing. They put him in jail, and you see what she does, and she's allowed to run for president? Folks, do you know what it tells you? The system is rigged, and I've been saying that for a long time. It's an old submarine, believe me. They have pictures of that submarine that nobody knows about. And they're right. Total fucking bullshit. Good on Trump. Shouldn't have gone to jail for it. Should have been chaptered. To the parade, and it came back. CNN exclusive, the Pentagon has issued a memo outing, outlining how President Trump sought after military parade on Veterans Day. Well, look, parade will include period uniforms, airplanes, but no tanks to avoid damage to infrastructure. Route will go from White House to Capitol. The parade details for November 9th will have uniforms, some planes, maybe old planes. Tanks are banned. So parade that will honor female veterans is a bad thing? Well, looks like plans for a parade for dictator and moving forward. Does anything feel normal anymore? Amy Siskin, blue check liberal reporter. Other ones. My brain just threw up. They're putting soldiers in costumes to please Trump. This is really seriously no screwing around the decline and fall of America. We are Rome. Chris Saliza, no tank, sad. John Ciavelle, so this is the New York City Halloween parade. Crazy Cigarro, pray for Trump indictment before this. Veteran Dre's in November, hopefully he'll be arrested before then. 
So basically, they're going to do a Spirit of America on Constitution Avenue with flyovers similar to World War II flyovers a couple years back. If done right, this will be a really great response and very family-friendly. And then there were a bunch of people, I'm going. What is wrong with the left? Why shouldn't we, after fucking 18 years of war, celebrate the military? As you like to say all the time, liberals, you're on the wrong side of history. This story angered me and the wife quite a bit, so i got to cover it. U.S. Army says mishandling war dogs will comply with call for reform. The U.S. Army confirmed on Monday that it had mishandled retired bomb-sniffing war dogs and said it would comply with the recommendation of the IG. In a report released on Friday, the Inspector General said the canine heroes, which saved the lives of U.S. soldiers in Afghanistan while working with brigade combat teams to sniff out roadside bonds, were mistreated by the Army. Army spokesman Major Christophus Othard said the Army concurs with the DODIG report and it will comply with this recommendation. The report said that some dogs were left in kennels for up to 11 months beyond a deadline for giving them away for adoption or reusing them in military or other government agencies. It said they were mistreated through lack of care and attention, and others may have been put down. Contrary to military rules, new owners were not screened before the Army dogs were allowed to be adopted. It said that some dogs with histories of biting were given to families with children, and others were given to owners who lacked the ability or resources to care for them. In some cases, the report said soldiers who wanted to adopt the dogs, which is they had worked, were not told they had the right to do so. An investigation was started after soldiers who had handled the war dogs complained about their fate. The recommendations include requiring unit commanders to comply with Army regulations, already spelling out proper care. What the fuck is wrong with you guys? This reminds me a lot of, if you really research this, which we've covered on the show, what happened to Vietnam war dogs. Most of them just came back to the States and were put down. And that's not right. Not at all. To a great story, Green Beret was rewarded for heroism on a North Carolina highway. As he watched the truck veer off the road ahead of him and tumble down a steep tree-covered embankment, the Fort Bragg soldier knew what to do. The only thing I could really think about was the people in the vehicle. Adam said two years after he leapt into action to save two people following a deadly crash on U.S. 64 near Ashboro. Adams, a soldier with the 1st Battalion, 3rd Special Op- Operations Group, repeatedly returned to the scene of the crash, carrying four victims up the steep embankment and rendered emergency aid until rescue personnel arrived, and he was given the soldier's medal. I've told the story before on the show, driving down by in between Montgomery and Birmingham, see a fucking car going ass over tea kettle down the road and down a hill. When I got to the bottom of that hill after crossing six four lanes of traffic, because I was going on the northbound, it was on the southbound, I ran into three soldiers. Or excuse me, two. I was the third. We found the car. We didn't find anybody. And then we heard a guy yelling, nobody's in it. It was on a trailer and it had fallen off the trailer. On top of the hill when we got up there was a bunch of civilians. They didn't go down the hill. Soldiers did. So Katie Turr, as you talk about being a firefighter or a cop and running towards the fucking fire, you know. You don't know what running towards the fire actually is. You run towards fucking Keith Oberman's cock. And now, our college crazy. 
Liberals have 20 to 1 edge in student fee funding at UW Madison. University of Wisconsin Madison student paying an estimated $7.60 to fund liberal causes each fiscal year, but just 36 cents towards conservative groups. Conservative students are advocating for a proposal briefly advanced last year by Governor Scott, which would have made student activity fees optional. Is anybody surprised by that? I'm not. Popular academic organization continues to call for gun control. The American Association of University Professors recently released a statement that outlined four specific gun control policies it would like to see enacted, including a total ban on the sale and possession of military-style assault weapons. Some universities, however, such as the University of Kansas, have actually seen a drop in crime on campus after implementing a lawful concealed carry policy. It was 14% drop. It's a different article I had, but it's 14%. So they're staying with concealed on post. On post. On a, on a, a campus. They're for it. This one's a common theme in this. Professor compares conservatives to white supremacists. Anderson University professor Liz Boltz Ranfield, if you got a hyphen name, you're a douchebag, recently claimed that conservative talking points are beginning to mirror white nationalist talking points, saying there's so much overlap between their beliefs. Ranfield prides herself as being a liberal face in a conservative environment, helping progressive students know they're supportive on campus. These are her tweets. I teach in a conservative environment. I have no hesitation about being seen as a more liberal face on campus. I think it's my responsibility to make sure progressive students know they're supported on campus, even if most of their peers are conservative. I think making students feel alienated creates a good or yeah, feel alienate creates a good learning environment. So I want LGBTQ plus students of color, progressive students, etc., to feel invited into my classroom, especially because they might not feel welcome everywhere else on campus. I can't believe she'd even tweet that. 99% of campuses are liberal bastions. You pick the one conservative just to be a bitch. Got it. Clemson frat punished over false sexual assault claim. Clemson recently placed its fraternities on social suspension and imposed strict new rules in response to an alleged sexual assault, but sheriff's deputies have since determined that the accuser was lying. The advisor for Clemson Inference Fraternity Council said the new policies were planned prior to the incident, apparently confirming students' suspicion that the allegation was just an excuse to crack down on frats. Goddamn men don't have any fun. You stop that. To the Kansas, it was six months. So you know, six months. Because that was the next article. For six months they watched it and it actually dropped. 13%. Citing statistics from the Crime Prevention Research Center, the National Rifle Association tweeted, between 2007 and 2015, the number of concealed carry permit holders increased by 215% nationwide. While the murder rate dropped 14%, the violent crime rate fell 21%. I had them out of order. Sorry about that. But that's that's pretty good. Kind of destroys that theory that less guns are less crime. Yeah, that's not the case. 
This one was from last podcast, and I didn't do it because I was out of time. But this is peak 2018 stupid. It comes to this. Louisiana student investigated for math symbol. Classmate thought it looked like a gun. Yeah, we've reached a new level of insanity, and Louisiana student was investigated for drawing a math symbol the fellow's classmates thought was a gun. It was a square root sign. It led to detectives searching the student's home on the grounds that terroristic threats were made. The student had to draw the symbol to complete the math problem. K-A-T-C-T-V-3, student investigator allegedly saying a math symbol looks like a gun. A discussion among students at Oberlin High School in Oberlin, Louisiana about a mathematical symbol led to police investigation and search of one of the students' homes. On February 20th, detective investigated a report of terroristic threat at a school where they learned that a student had been completing a math problem that required drawing a square root sign. Students in the group began commenting that the symbol, which represents a number that, that when multiplied by itself equals another number, looked like a gun. After several students made comments about those line, along those lines, another student said something the sheriff's office said could have sounded like a threat. Police searched in home where they found no guns, no evidence, no nothing. Authorities also wrote there was no evidence the student had any intent to commit a harm. It seems a silly season on gun politics has reached a new level. I thought the Pop-Tart gun was as far as we were going to go on this stupid. But I guess I was wrong. Cosmo brings us into the non-college crazy. The heavenly halo brow are strangely beautiful. Literally like a question bubble in a cartoon on women's face. They draw it in. That is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. Ben Shapiro sums it up with, A village is missing its idiot. Gubernatorial candidate Kayla Roy's breastfeeds and campaign ad. Gonna leave it there. That's her ad. Breastfeeding. So we're pandering for the Lalacha vote, I guess. I don't get it. In the tolerant left category, Christian-owned bridal shop forced to close over death threats, potential new LGBT ordinance. WW Bridal Boutique in Bloomberg, Pennsylvania is closing its doors after 22 years, all because of a local ordinance that would prevent private businesses from discriminating against people based on their sexual orientation. I hate when people write that. It's not discriminating. It should have been written, written an ordinance that would prevent private businesses from applying their Christian values. The bridal shop is owned by Lisa Boucher, her mother and two sisters, all of which are Christians who do not believe in gay marriage. The owners originally turned down a lesbian couple in 2014 and referred them to another shop that would cater their needs. The same thing happened in 2017. The owner detailed why they decided to take a stand against the ordinance in a Facebook post. WW Bridal Boutique has served our community for 22 years. We have provided formal wear for our customers from all walks of life, including the LGBTQ community. While we have always tried to serve everyone and treat them with respect and dignity, we cannot help plan and celebrate every event. We believe everyone should have the opportunity to live their lives as they see fit. We simply ask for the same freedom to live our lives according to our Christian convictions. These are the threats. There was an audio one, but it was kind of fuzzy, so I didn't play it. You're no Christian. You disappoint Jesus with your bigotry. 
Jesus teaches acceptance. He washed the feet of his enemies. Jesus would provide dresses for lesbians. You are a disappointment to God and Jesus for showing just how awful and disgusting you are. People like you are responsible for suicides every day, specific to your ignorance relating to human rights. Your hatred is literally killing people every day. The blood on your hands will never go away. That's like a haiku. Remember when you go to bed at night that you are an awful human being for being ignorant and have no sense of compassion or humanity in our unfortunate existence. Back to LGBT hate. What kind of people think they're too good to serve others? I don't know the answer, but I don't do know. They ain't no Christian. America's adopted an evil version of Christianity. One that goes against the Jesus actually taught. Blah, blah, blah. I know nothing about Christianity. I just fucking hate you. Good luck with your salvation. He, 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 shame on you. As nurse, when you're in hospital, we don't treat you because your religion disagrees with ours. Shame on you. Hope your business suffers from this. Decision to not do business with lesbians. I hope you lose your store. They're closing their store, you morons. It goes on and on and on. They have a crowdfunding site to do it. But I must dispute the bullshit. Christians don't make people commit suicide. Fucking gender dysphoria is a mental illness when you couple it with opposite hormones. That causes suicide, my friends. Other craziness. It was never addressed. Supposedly, it broke out in Social Justice Warriorville that the women bathroom symbol was an apron. They were upset about that. I am still asking, what do you put for transgender? Because the one that I reported on the show is not the right one. Tarrant County judge used electric shock to punish sex offender who's getting a new trial. Love that. That is fucking fantastic. Hero dog shot protecting teen during home invasion. Police are looking for suspects that shot Rex, a family dog that jumped into action when he spotted intruders attempting to break in his home. A 16-year-old boy says his dog made all the difference when armed intruders busted in his house on Wednesday. Javier Mercado was home alone with his German Shepherd, Rex. He gives his loyal companion all the credit for saving his life. I feel like if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here today. Sad dog story. Loyal dog refuses to leave hospital where owner died four months ago. This is so sad. There was a picture with it. Pet reportedly chased after ambulance when 59-year-old owner was stabbed in October. The pet dog, whose owner was fatally stabbed, has made a home for himself in front of the hospital where the man died. The animal, who has no name, has been waiting in front of the Santa Casa de Nova Horizonte Hospital in Brazil for four months, according to local media. The dog arrived at the unit after chasing after the ambulance that was transporting his owner, a 59-year-old homeless man. Um, they gave it a home and everything, but he just comes back and he sits on the front door waiting for his owner to come back. I I just love dogs. They are so damn loyal. Mm. In the stupid criminal file, Hartford police say man drove stolen car to court to face stolen car charges. That kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Kind of. 14-year-old pretending to be deputy arrested after Victorville deputies find ballistic vests, fake firearms in his car. And he stole the car, too. That's one 
dub, dumb, dumb criminal. Do you remember Poop Watch? Covered it about six podcasts ago. Well, he made it 47 days without taking a shit. And he was taken directly to the hospital to have it medically removed. Guy went into septic. <laughs> wow, dude. Just take the fucking crime. You, you, you got drugs in you. They know it. This is when I will social justice warrior. I rarely do it on the show, but this one hit me this week. NFL prospect Darius Grice asked if he likes men during combine interview. And I gotta say, I promptly posted something about this on the Bleacher Report article that it came with. Um, that's pretty wrong. Kind of goes against just American values, so to speak. Um, uh, it may sound hypocritical because I just supported a bridal place saying they're not going to serve, you know, gay people, but that's totally different. Um, they have the right as a business to stay in with their Christian convictions, but you don't have a right by law to ask somebody their sexual orientation in an interview. That's inappropriate. It's just inappropriate. So I was kind of shocked. Supposedly within this article, and I, I don't know if it's true or not, um, this isn't the first time this has happened. Numerous teams have asked this question, and that's pretty fucked up. Uh, 20 years in the Army, don't ask, don't tell. So if a life and death job allows me not to have to fucking ask the damn question, I think football's the same thing. There's a good chance I get murdered tonight. Terrified Amazon Echo users reveal Alexa has been emitting bone-chilling laughs at random and is ignoring the commands. <clears throat> One user said they were sleeping in an Amazon Echo laughed unprompted. Alexa is programmed in many voice-activated devices, and Amazon can't figure out why the hell it's doing it. But I gotta say, I'd probably shot my pants. I'd shot my pants if that happened. Uh, we gave it to our grandkids. They're not using it. Like everything else we give our grandkids. I don't know where it goes in the garbage, but they loved our Alexa. We didn't use it because it was stupid, and I should have waited for Google Home, but yeah. This one scared the shit out of me because we'll be heading uh, to the beach in this summer, as we always do. I take a break. Well, I usually podcast from the hotel room. The wife makes me so she can have some beach time where I don't bitch and moan about being too hot. High levels of fecal bacteria found at, un at popular spring break beaches. Granted, are Texas for spring break. You might want to stay off the beach or at least out of the water, according to a new report. Over a dozen popular beaches have tested positive for high levels of fecal bacteria, according to a website. TexasBeachWatch.com says parts of the Corpus Christi Bay and North Padre Island were both found to have high amounts of fecal bacteria. The website also listed Matagorda Bay, Freeport, and Galveston as places where fecal bacteria was on the rise. Pathogens can make our waters unsafe for humans. Swimming and other recreational activities in water contaminated with pathogens can make people ill. The agency added that swimming in the polluted water can give you nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, headaches, and death. And it doesn't have to be in your mouth. It can go through cuts. So that's some scary-ass shit. Two, our lighter fare. 
To our print lighter fair, the onion, diversity was the real winner la- last night. Report hundreds of dumbasses whose very existence insults the name of journalism. Gushing that yesterday's Oscars had changed the face of Hollywood forever. Hundreds of total fucking dumbasses whose very existence insults the name of journalism reported Monday that diversity was the real winner last night. On a night traditionally filled with glitz and glam, it was a race and gender equality that finally had their moment in Oscar spotlight, wrote countless slathering dipshits who by publishing surface-level puff pieces claiming the new voice had triumphed on the biggest stage in Tinseltown upended the very foundation on which journalism was based. And I thought, wow! Mm. It's like, I wrote that shit. Other one that should be serious, but it's not. Salon, only losers voted for Trump. We've heard lots of assertions from the media about who Trump voters are, poorly educated, racist, and authoritarian leading. But now Salon is adding to the rich stock of disdaining assumptions the Trump voting conservative says the site is a washed up lonely loser whose disconnect from reality and the rest of society inspired him despite the democratic process might they add he's can't get a girlfriend the clinicians over at salon consulted a 2017 Gallup poll that stated that nearly half of US states saw their well-being scores decline by statistically significant margins in 2017, while none of the 50 states saw statistically significant improvement from the year before. That includes an increase in experiencing significant worry on any given day, a decline in report of receiving positive energy from friends and family, a drop in reports of liking what you do each day, and a reduction in satisfaction with standards of living. While the Gallup poll did not necessarily break down the demographics as to which which half of Americans are feeling this way, leave it to Salon to point a finger at Trump supporters. I mean, who else would be experiencing the low T required to elect our gender, our generation's next Hitler? <laughs> Salon stated the mix of alienation, loneliness, despair, and angst provide the perfect breeding ground for the authoritarian populism that Trump rode to victory. Social pathology does not encourage healthy democratic politics. Trumpism is a proof. Still, Salon seemed hopeful that these statistics can help America assess the problem and turn social rejects from their temptation to elect fascist leaders. It cited Hannah Arndt, who stated, The ideal subject of totalitarian rule is not the convinced Nazi or the convinced communist, but people for whom the distinction between fact and fiction fiction, i.e. the reality of experience, and the distinction between true and false, the standard of thought, no longer exists. Oh, you conservatives, don't want Hillary? The only logical conclusion is you're out of touch. Of course, the only way to bring these downtrodden deplorables back to reality is to nurture and protect the citizens and their democratic values. For Salon, this means no less than forcing progressivism down America's throat. They write, to the end, social democracy has made real through labor unions, public education, associated life, volunteer work, activism, respect for human rights, a new commitment to the art and participation of local government must be reinvigorated in America. So, re-education camps for everybody. Take your ass out there, be a good progressive, or you're just a fucking loser. It's 
goddamn March 2018. He, he's been president since January 20th, 2017, folks. They still haven't stopped writing these articles. And as I said on the last podcast, they fucking hate other Americans. As they claim about accepting and being inviting and loving your neighbor and that whole show on Vice, Hate Thy Neighbor, has yet to cover a liberal group. They project that it's conservatives that are hateful and intolerant. Yet, they are the intolerant. Our soundbite for Lighter Fair is my Max 11X. I haven't covered this in a long time. Here are two sound bites he's put out in the last two months. Enjoy. Yeah, I mean, I'm walking to the office right now, and I'll let you know. What is this? Welcome to your intervention. For what? Make a fucking video. What video? Make a fucking rap anthem for everybody that's deployed. I'm not going to make any of that modern day bullshit mumble rap. Everyone here knows it's fucking trash. Then bring back the Beastie Boys. Yeah. Okay. And who the fuck is that? I'm just here for a clickbait. Chill. Lincoln's box seats. Yeah. Woo.
What's up, guys? Hope you enjoyed the video. Uh, shout out to Battlefield Vegas for letting us film there. And if you didn't know, Battlefield Las Vegas has its very own Black Rifle Coffee coffee shop. Ah! For That's all your tasty coffee So days. exciting. I know. And if you like the song, make sure you check it out on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Spotify I fucked it up like Spotify, nine different Spotify. times in this And we're also going to ship out 10,000 pounds of coffee to deployed service members from now until the end of December. So... You know what? Those guys got it rough. We got to take care of them. We got to caffeinate them while they're doing, doing the good work, man. Let's ship some coffee. Let's ship some right, coffee. Let's do it. Cheers. In the outskirts of suburban America, a night nourished with food and romance, a young couple is lured by desire and the passion to mate. But Mother Nature has other plans. Menstruation. Every 28 to 31 days, a transformation begins to take place. Scared by heightened emotions, a bloated physique, and questionable sex drive, the male retreats. But... Persistence and the drive to get laid outweighs all other human emotions. The male exudes an act of showmanship. But the female is unimpressed. So the male makes an offering of peace. As always, you can get all his uh, videos on Matt Best 11X on YouTube. You can buy his t-shirts there. You can also get yourself some Black Rifle Coffee, which is what I got coming in the mail. I'm just going to sit it at work just to piss off liberals. Might not even drink it. Just want to say I like guns. I like guns. <laughs> Childish, yes. 
fun always. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends. Send comments about each podcast by emailing foppodcast at gmail.com. Foppodcast at gmail.com. You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Flyover Politic webpage at foppodcast.com. Fop podcast.com. It's a theme. To see links to feeds for the show, links to our Facebook page, and to email us. There you can see a link to every episode on the episode release page and my blog on the blog page. Next podcast is going to be March 16th, Year of Our Lord, 2018, or the 17th. And my wife has a time off. Um, <clears throat> I might just do it on the 17th so I can take my time and make a long podcast. As you see, I try to get it back under three. I'm going to keep trying to get it a little shorter to listen to. It's a long file. I've been listening to myself. Realize i got to cut down some of the bumpers. So this week's going to be working on reducing some of the bumpers not to be uh, a minute long because it's probably excessive. And try to make this a little more packaged uh, to listen to because three hours is a really long time. I hope as you go out this week, you have a fantastic week. Remember, disconnect from your iPads, phones, tablets, whatever, PC. Don't be dicking around, poking somebody on social media when you should be enjoying your family and friends. This is a short ride. Take Make every day count. And when you're giving the yeah-yeahs because you're too damn busy on Twitter or Instagram, you're going to regret it someday. I hope you have a safe, happy week. Stay warm as we go into spring. A lot of places are going to be a little colder. I know we're going to be back down in the 40s, low 40s. But I got myself a new buffalo whitetail jacket, just like the one from A Christmas Story. Yeah, I got the real thing with the liner and the zipper instead of a mock one I had. So I'm going to be sporting that jacket, sweating, even if it's not cold enough, because it's a sexy-ass jacket. As always, my friends, I appreciate every time you tune in to listen to this old podcast. I thank you for it. Y'all take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Remember to check out our website at foppodcast.com. And remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count.
Lose your everything.